Welcome to The Old World Lives, a World of Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of uh, The Old World Lives. I'm Christopher, and with me this time I surprisingly have, well, the usual two. I got Nicholas. Hello. And Jimmy. Hi, everyone. We're going to just pause for applause or what are we going to do here or should we perhaps tell you what this episode is all about and this episode is all about well these two had a little trip to poland a while ago and they're gonna run that through in the main topic but first we're gonna do the usual intro stuff and uh, we're going to introduce a new segment that we hope will pan out well and that is a tactics segment yeah so me and Jimmy are going to talk about our travels to Poland uh, in the second part of this episode. And first, we're going to talk about some units that I love to use. And I'm glad we chose these guys because I actually know something about using this kind of unit. Longbeards? Well, that's the thing. Like Whenever people are writing about dwarves, like, oh, how do I build dwarves? Or how do I use dwarves? I only have theoretical knowledge about dwarves. But these kinds of units I've been using every game that i've ever played pretty much well when you build a dwarf list you start out with your troll slayers that you might upgrade some to the to giant slayers and then you have doom seekers and then you have a goblin viewer <laughs> and then you add uh, characters that's basically it that's what you need for a dwarf list in sixth edition very true so what have you been doing in the hobby nicholas uh i've uh, i painted some crossbowmen uh turn up pretty nice i think uh i'm i have to paint some long beards uh, to get like an actual unit up uh but i have to put that on hold for a couple of weeks i need to paint some 30k stuff actually but then i'll get back to the long beards and uh, other than that i've just uh, finished gotrek and felix the first omnibus Ooh, nice what do you think about this think of it oh, it was great i loved it like it's such a good book and i've been putting off reading gotrek and felix for so long and now uh, it's just a, it's a good read i'm kind of glad that i that i saved it it's a really good book I liked all three of them, but I think I think I think Skaven Slayer was my favorite. Actually, there were some really cool moments in Demon Slayer, and um, Karagdom is just such a cool place. But uh, I think Skaven Slayer was the best. They're almost like uh, you're playing a long RPG session, and your yeah. character was leveling up and uh, getting on more and more epic adventures. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. Like you're rolling around like this this party, and maybe there are like four guys at a time. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of. Second edition Spanish role playing game I used to play. Yeah, and there's a, do you have a lot of books yet to finish? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like uh, I think maybe I will read the first three omnibuses or something. Uh, I've been told that like at least after William King stopped writing it, that it didn't, they're not as good. And like I have a lot of fantasy books to to read, so I think I'll limit myself to the first three omnibuses, and then in the future, if I get a, like a hankering for some Godric and Felix, I'll find some more. That sounds like a plan. And speaking of Godric and Felix, it might be technically news. Presented, presented during the Black Library Open Day, whatever they had. There is another Godric book and another audio drama with Brian Blessed coming out this September, I think it is. Sadly set in the whatever realm they're walking through this time. Yeah, one of the floating bubbles. Yeah, but I do think the Godric mini is it's a really nice one. It needs some adapting. Like, uh, maybe change the axe or so. Yeah, for sure. It's a really cool model, really cool pose. Uh, there are some, some details that makes it look too much Age of Sigma. But just switch those out, get, get rid of the, the flame on his axe, and uh, it'll be good to go. Yeah. 
you think you're getting one for your Slayer army? I'm probably getting uh, one for the Slayer army. Might even mod the base to fit a square one and have a, like a as a unit filler or something. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I probably that one's going to be modded. So as you said, changing the axe head and uh, maybe sorting the what is it called the Sigmarine shoulder plate he has. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then uh, I might just get a straight one up and finally actually paint my collection of Godric minis I have. Nice. Just just for your information, that shoulder plate comes from an Empire guy. Thank you very much. I don't care. <laughs> it will still be there on the <laughs> display model, so to speak. That will be painted in 2028 at this point. Jimmy, do you want to go last with uh, your hobby progress? or You know, for once, I barely even had any hobby progress. Uh, it's been, well, the, the only thing I've been doing is small painting on my Mordheim Warband. That's about it. And procrastination, a lot of it. Are you just bracing yourself for the epic hurdle of painting green skins? Nah, I'm just tired from painting a lot of green skins, like from a couple of weeks, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it still haunts me. Yeah, but at least you have a few weeks vac <laughs> vacation from the green skin painting until you pick up the works. Yeah. Uh, like it looks like now, I'm going to start painting those guys in uh, four to five weeks. So up until then, it's going to be these Bornheim guys. It's like five or six models left, but I don't want to stress it out. And uh, I also need to touch up on some uh, terrain that I'm bringing to Finland. Yeah, it's uh, rapidly approaching, isn't it? It's less than a month now. Yeah, yeah. Or in a month, you will be in Finland. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that feels kind of strange. That, that also means that there probably a game day for 6th edition after that. Yes, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So are you guys going to continue in your Border Pieces campaign? That's the plan, and I need some more territory to take. <laughs> yeah, and I'm doing the obvious thing and uh, shelving the Dark Elves for that one. Mainly since I haven't painted any Dark Elves since we played last time. <laughs> <laughs> they got scared and ran away back to their keep. Well, their general died, so they're out of the game. <laughs> So what are you bringing this time? I'm bringing what I have been painting the last couple of days and that I've also teased on Instagram. So that this can also date when we're recording this because I'm painting these while we're talking and these are my swords masters. I have some f finishing touches for them. Maybe a final highlight on the silver to go. Nice. And I'm also working on uh, my little, what do you call it, little pond, little lake, whatever you want to call it. I'm currently covering it with broken up ice. Yeah, it looks really nice. It. Yeah, let's hope it does that when it's finished as well, because you never know. Yeah, you've been pretty, pretty productive. Like you've been posting a lot of pictures on our Instagram. So for anyone who wants to see this progress, just go into Instagram and search for Lower Lives. You can see that. I don't know if we talked about the eagles you made, but they look awesome. Oh right, the eagles were finished. Uh, at least one of them were finished when we recorded last time, but both are finished now, and they're up on the Instagram. And one of them, the, the color schemes, one of them are based on the wild-tailed eagle or half sun as we say in Sweden and the other one is based on uh, an osprey yeah they look great yeah I think it's pretty hard to to paint uh, animals like that that you have like different colors that need to look natural but you you manage it really nicely yeah the bases are also really good which ties them together quite nicely because as we all know there are really no 50 mil bases in any packages from G-Dubs these days and so I had to handcraft some oh wow they didn't even know that 
especially no 50 mil bases in uh, a lot of rings miniatures packages yeah bases are your speciality though you're always great at making those they are a lot more fun than actually painting minis for some reason yes because you're crazy well <laughs> yeah I, I basically have to go out and uh, do the more interesting stuff on monsters and such because 20, 20 millimeter square ones doesn't really lend themselves to great amount of detail yeah yeah i noticed that while doing my dwarves as well like, I can't really fit anything. I can I can fit a pit like a spot of grass, and that's it. I can't do any any details on them. Should you try the Kalpas dwarfs <laughs> because they got uh, basically like longer robes or skirts on them. So what you can actually see of the base is like two millimeters or something around them. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Is there any news this time? I I don't think so. I think like the, the Gartrek model is it. No new limited releases. Yeah, the, the only news we have is something everybody probably knows about, which is the contrast paints. Which will finally which will finally help Chris paint an army of dwarves. No no, it will finally help me base coat it easily. <laughs> and note I actually have, have owned a fully painted Slayer army that was painted with dwarf flesh, so you know how shit that looked. It was taking a lot of time. Yep. Yeah, uh, contrast paints are really cool. Already seen people painting with them. Uh, Henry is painted some uh, some Skaven tests test models for them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I will use any in the near future. Like if I do like a new army, maybe Slanish demons or something, that'd be really nice. Well, they're a tool amongst many, but I think that one is some uh, topic we are gonna ex- explore more in our next episode which is listener questions and there's still time to send them in at least for a week after this episode goes up so send them in to us questions if you have any yeah good shout next episode is going to be listener questions it's going to be a lot of fun there's also a game called uh, chaos bane i think it's released yeah it's yeah it's like diablo but in the warhammer universe set after the great war against chaos i think Hmm. Oh yeah, the the computer game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I only know that it's actually there's a it's a thing, but I haven't really read anything about it other than noticing there was a Slayer on in the promo photo on the Warm Community. Yeah, I know you can play a, a, a Slayer, you can play a High Elf Mage, and you can at least play an uh, Empire Soldier, but I don't know about other playable characters. Uh, looks like a Wood Elf uh, Waywatcher as well. Nice. So the Wood Elf Waywatcher will be upgraded with auto-firing bow at level like 5 and then you can't lose anymore? Or is that just a <laughs> demon hunter from Diablo? Not sure how close of a copy it is, I mean. Yeah, I've never been much of a Diablo fan, so I don't think I'm going to give this a pass. I'm going to give it a try eventually, but I think we'll talk more about Warhammer games in another episode. I know you guys play a lot of... Uh, Total War of Warhammer. Total War. Yeah, and I play a lot of Vermintide and... Uh, well, just a quick one. Speaking of Vermintide, what's coming out for that? There's coming out two new games, or game sets. Uh, in the Right now, there's uh, beta testing for the Winds of Magic, which is... Uh, they introduce Beastman and the Winds of Magic, giving every every set scenario you play uh, a different kind of uh, well effect during play. So, like when it's the wind of life, the enemy keep healing all the time. Uh, during uh, the wind of metal, there's coming up levitating swords, killing everyone, and things like that. That is like crazy magic stuff. 
so it's gonna be like Warhammer 8th edition. <laughs> and uh, they also announced a new variant of playing the game, which is versus mode, where there's four guys playing the heroes and four guys playing Skavens and Chaos. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I can imagine you being keen on that. Yeah, I'm gonna play at least the assassin. Like, can you be a warplay engineer and you sit in a corner and shoot no, lightning? No, no, they're not in the game, so. <laughs> but I think Globideers might be in the game, but I know you can play a pack oh, monster. Cool. That sounds nice. And I actually noticed that I actually own the first Vermintide game. I've never played it, I think, but I own it. Play it, enjoy the story, and then start the second game. Nah. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I can't. I have downloaded a mod that lets me play as uh, Kalador in uh, Total War, so that's what it's probably be. Oh my god. I'm playing. You slay everyone? Well, it takes a lo long time to actually get somewhere because you don't have access to ports, so you can't trade with anyone except hmm. Eatane. Yeah, I, I still want a War of the Beard mod for that game. Make one. Speaking of War of the Beard, I've actually started reading that trilogy now. Oh, nice. Uh, are you on the first book? Yeah, you started the first book because yeah, that, that I was great. I was reading Titan Death and the book before that one in the Heresy series. Yeah, oh. yeah, I think uh, that series is written by like, three different authors as well. I think that the first one is definitely yeah. the best one. It's uh, it's better when they manage to get the same person to write all of them, but it's not always possible. At least when it comes to cohesion yeah. of the story. Yeah, and just like the way they portray characters, like it seems like there are different actors playing the same character, like when you have different authors writing different characters. Basically like Batman, then don't keep one yeah. for more than a movie or two. Or James Bond. Yeah, but at least then there's usually somewhat of a continuity for at least a couple of films. Yeah. All right, let's, let's not get into movies now. <laughs> uh, no. Any more intro stuff or should we head on to the, the Tactica segment? Well, I think it's time for the Tactica because the only thing I could imagine is uh, if there was anything more at the Warhammer community and I've actually checked. So there's no more news. All right. Great. So let's head into some uh, some Tactica. This is really cool. We haven't uh, we haven't really talked about like how to effectively play the game before. Uh, so, sometime has to be the first. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some units that I've used extensively in this game. Light cavalry or fast cavalry. Yeah, it's uh, something that has more than one use depending on which army you're playing as well. Given that certain armies have a lot better fast cavalry and certain armies just have, well, this is operation stand in front of the other ones, but now on a wolf or horse. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say that the, the different armies like have several uses for the same unit as well. Uh, so we have this, uh, this old this White Dwarf article, right? That we've been reading. Yeah, yeah. From article from White Dwarf 280, I think. Of the Australian White Dwarf, is there is a difference? I'm not sure they had their own one, though, but it was... This one is actually yeah, this, printed in the yeah, Australian version. Yeah, this is printed in Australia. I, so, think, I think the European was in White Dwarf 280. So when you open no, this no, book... No, 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 two, two, 279, I think, was the European. So when you yeah. open this book, you have to turn it upside down to read it. Yes. <laughs> no one laughed at my Australian joke. All right. We don't have to. They're, they don't really get them. They'll get them in about five years or so, and they will cost about twice as much. Right. So, Jimmy, do you want to talk a bit about this article? Well, uh, this article... 
Let's start off with actually just run through what Farzatag mean, because it's valid for the article in general. Oh, very true. Uh, do you have the, the, the rule book? Would you like to read from that, or should we just do it? Uh, I can do it by heart. I don't have, I don't have a rule book here, so... Well, we've got the, the fast cavalry receives no bonus for ranks. Unless it's charges, the fast cavalry unit is permitted to reform at any time during its movement phase without penalties. And uh, then you have the uh, 360 uh, line of sight for shooting. Yeah. What else? And the characters joining don't get that bonus. They just get being able to join, but they can't get any, any of the benefits for being fast cav. Yes, they I... can still reform being yes. with those guys. But yeah, but they, they can't don't get the... the shooting or anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's very important, actually. So I have some uh, some comments on this. So first of all, with the, the reforming thing. So imagine that you can you can turn them around and change formation as much as you want, but you kind of have a like a 360 degree uh, field from each of the riders. So you can reform as much as you want, but you can only end your movement within uh, twice your move distance within the circle or your regular movement if you're march blocked. Uh, and also regarding the 360 degrees firing arc, uh, we had some questions about that. Like when we were in Poland as well, that uh, there was this guy that had uh, a five-man unit of riders and then he wanted to shoot to side with them. And then uh, he said that he could shoot with all five of them. And uh, that's the way I thought the rules worked first as well. But when I looked in the rule book, uh, there's not really mentioned anywhere like if you can fire over your own guys. Like because when it says that you have a 360 degrees firing arc, does it mean that the unit can fire 360 degrees or each model? It means the unit, and uh, it's only skirmishers that can shoot through their own guys because it's mentioned in the skirmish rule. Yeah, so in this case, you couldn't fire all five of them sideways, right? Exactly. Yeah, because then also, like, if you would have uh, two ranks of uh, light cavalry, and then you would say that, oh, yeah, all of them can fire to the side, but how would that work if they're firing to the front? Like, because they still couldn't be able to fire through their own guys to the front. And it, like, I know, like, why, why you would believe that they could all fire to the side, because it's not really clearly written in the rules. He says that they have a 360 degrees firing arc. So whenever I'm in doubt with rules, I look both in the rule book and the, the chronicles or whatever. And I also look in the fifth edition rulebook and the sixth, uh, seventh edition rulebook because even those those are like not the rules for sixth edition. Uh, sometimes they just have like the exact same wording, but they also have a diagram or something. Yeah. Uh, so, so for instance, uh, snaking like moving with snaking in sixth edition is very unclear what that means. But if you look in the fifth edition rulebook, there's a very like a good diagram for what they actually mean with this. And the same is with 7th edition, because we have like a, a debate on like how cannons work. And there's a really good diagram in the 7th edition rulebook, because this is the exact same wording as 6th edition. They used to have a picture that shows how it works. And the same is with 7th edition with light cavalry. They have the same wording, but then they added another phrase that says, Note, this does not mean that you can fire through your, your own models to the side. So you just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, like the, the reform thing, you can't shoot with a character uh, like fast cavalry. Like it means you can march and fire like fast cavalry, but you can still reform. And I think you, you can't do this this in 8th edition. Uh, and this is really good in 6th edition. You can march up and turn around and be able to charge with a character next turn. But we'll get into that with the how you use fast cavalry. Indeed we will. Uh, like uh, I was going to say, this article brings up a lot of tactics and uses about fast cavalry uh, and it also brings up how to face fast cavalry like if they're nagging at your flanks or whatever 
there's some tactics in here to help you face them. And uh, they also bring up all the currently, when this White Dwarf was released, all the currently existing festival units, and they go through their uses, their advantages and disadvantages. I think we will go into unit basis later in this segment. Yeah, and uh, this White Dwarf that we're going to reference, just as a note, was released in uh, 2003. So not all of the army books were released for 6th edition at that point. But we are going to mention those units that were later released. Okay, so yeah. how, how should we start this? Do you want to go through what the article says, or should we talk a little bit about Path Cavalry? We can use the head, no head, head uh, notes from the article. So we kind of just talked about what what fast what which is the first piece from the article where they bring up what a fast cavalry unit is then it's one of the uses disruption break the line so yeah. fast cavalry they're often really fast movement seven eight nine or maybe ten in some cases they uh, they can be used in this way to disrupt the enemy lines to make them slower by walking into their 18 radius so they can't march. Yeah, definitely. But we all know it won't work against dwarves. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, would, I would say in this point that uh, they can do this. It's, uh, it's pretty hard to get them there, I've noticed though. Like, uh, notice that like, flying units can do this a lot better because you usually won't get to where you can march block until turn three maybe. Yeah. Two if you're lucky, and then the enemy is usually going to have something that protects their flanks. So this is pretty hard to pull off, I would say. But it's one of the things you can do with them. That's the point of the of this part of the article. It's one of their uses. Yeah. Yeah. So mention other uses just while we're talking. Yeah, and uh, this also helps helps to bait the enemy into doing reckless charges. Yeah. And uh, like I know from facing Uniclus. Fast cavalry often flee when they're being charged. Yeah, definitely. They're really good to, uh, to use bait the enemy to move forward. Because either they're going to stand in front of you and shoot you with arrows or just disrupt you and hinder you from moving. So you're probably going to want to charge them. And when you do, they're most likely going to be able to get away with a 3d6 flee move. And then they're probably going to regroup again because they're probably equipped with musicians. And when they do, they'll be able to move freely. They won't be able to shoot, though, uh, but they'll be able to move uh, as usual. So two times their movement. Yeah. Also, uh, another kind of uh, baiting that you can do is like p putting them on your flanks when you deploy. As fast cavalry are very fast often, so they're easy to reposition on the battlefield. And if you put them on your right or your leftmost flank, the enemy will often have to deploy something to meet them up, like missile units or whatever they need to deploy something so just just to to meet them up so to say and as your fast cavalry you can easily just maneuver up into the middle of the battlefield along with your battle line yeah yeah this and is one of the the greatest uses that i have for my fast cavalry because i have quite a few of them and i always deploy them first because then the enemy will have to start deploying their stuff and i know where they will concentrate their army but it doesn't matter where I put my fast cavalry. They'll always be able to move to the other side of the table in a couple of turns. Com and it's really important, like, compared to regular cavalry. Because if you have your light cavalry on the left flank and you want to move fast to the right side, they'll always be able to reform, turn around, and move their full distance. While uh, a regular cavalry unit, 
They have to spend an entire turn to just reform to face the right direction. And the next turn, they can start marching up there. Then they'll have to wheel and stuff. So they're very cumbersome compared to light cavalry. Indeed they are. Oh, one thing to mention too, for the baiting part, fast cavalry are perfect to bait enemy frenzied units. Like, say you're facing a Chaos army. They have Chaos Knights with Mark of Corn. It's easy to get them where you want them. Yeah, definitely. I did this uh, in one of the games in Poland as well. Just put some Ungols nice. in front of Knights and then just flee. And uh, then we got a perfect flank charge. Nice. Yeah, didn't work out in the end though. <laughs> All right, any more uses yeah. in the article? Well, we have the assassination, search and destroy. Some people put put their wizards outside of units within the proximity of five inches of, of a, another unit so you can't pick them out unless they're the closest target. And uh, this also goes for like weapon teams. And uh, well, like we mentioned earlier, fast cavalry are pretty fast. So they're easy to get up, maneuver them so that these characters and the small things like, uh, like I said, the, the weapon teams are the closest targets. You can pick them out with missile fire. But they're also good at taking out war machines and their crew. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. usually, like you, in the first turn, you can move them up. Well, if you're playing like a, an army that I do, like you can move them up with the rest of your army. And then the enemy has to decide like what to shoot and what to charge and stuff. And then the turn after that, you can usually try and go past the enemy line because then they'll have to turn their entire formation to deal with you. So then you're in a good position to take care of war machines and stuff like that. Uh, I found it's pretty hard though to, to pick out enemy characters because they usually put them like between two units and yeah. further back. So wherever you are, you're, you're never going to be the closest to the enemy character. That's true, but there's, there's ought to be times where you can pick them out. But players like us, I wouldn't put them out in the open like on the left of a unit, I too want to place them between units if I even put them outside units at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Like reading this article as well, just knowing how to counter light cavalry. Yeah. Other than that, like like a lot of people know, there are sh- there's a lot of shooting fast cavalry units, and uh, like we mentioned, they're good to take out war machines. But it's not by shooting them; it's by charging them. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of charging, there's probably the last use for them, right? No, I wouldn't say that. Well, if you charge most things, they that's the last thing they do, usually. Unless you're really <laughs> sure of overwhelming stuff. Usually with my army, like everyone focuses the, the Lancers so much that they've been so decimated by missile fire that the only thing that's left in the end to try and charge the enemy is the Ungols. And they usually fare pretty well. Like You definitely need to know when to charge with light cavalry and when not to. Uh, but yeah, as Jimmy said, like charging uh, war machines is perfect because they don't get to stand and shoot because usually they don't have any weaponry and they can't use their artillery. And usually the guys that are manning artillery pieces are not the best fighters. There's usually three guys, maybe two of their elves, uh, with light armor at the most, and just uh, a hand weapon. So you're pretty easy to, to get rid of. And even if you don't like kill them, you'll probably outnumber them. Uh, yeah. Because cavalry cancels two models, and then you'll run them down, because they're usually pretty low leadership. And this brings us to the next part, the encirclement. Cut them off. Like uh, we all know, Units with unit strength five or more, they they remove the rank bonuses if they charge an enemy in the flank or the rear. 
and for this job, fast cavalry are perfect, but they also need other units to work with them going in the front. Yep. And I believe you've done done a lot of things like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really good for this. Also, I want to say a use for this uh, that I noticed in the, the Bringing Back 6th Edition tournament is that they're great for, if you ever face, like, a, it's a very niche example, but if you're facing, like, a, a hard skirmish unit, uh, like Dryads or uh, Mengel's Manflayers, uh, they're great for charging in first to make the skirmishers uh, form up their front against those guys and then charge in their, the flank with another unit. Uh, but yeah, flanking and uh, like flank charging with these guys is perfect. But uh, sometimes it's not the best thing to do. Also in the same tournament, uh, I, I charge with uh, some lancers in the front uh, and some mongols in the rear of some source masters. And the source masters just cut the, the mongols to pieces, and they they basically lost the combat for me because like they can't really strike anything. So you need to make sure that they won't all just die if you flank or rear charge. And yeah. also, the you have to have unit strength five at the end of the combat. So if you okay. lose, if you have five guys and lose three guys, then it won't matter. So you need to pick your fights carefully. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a really solid way of breaking units. And, and it also depends on just what kind of light cavalry units you're running. We'll go into soon. Yeah. So this kind of summed up every every piece of the. Of the article and uh, is there anything you think we're missing from the tactics of using them Niklas? You know these are great like uh, uh, how do you call it it's like uh, philosophies of using them uh, but actually using them on the battlefield like having practical experience uh, it's a totally different thing let's say so first of all uh, the kinds of units that you're running uh, with light cavalry, I'd say you would either run uh, units that are just chaff or march blockers or war machine hunters, are really small. And these are the kinds of units that I've been running all the time, just fireman units and a musician. That's it. They won't lose you any points when they die and they'll just be super annoying. And sometimes they'll kill something in combat or yeah, do a flank charge or something. Uh, but then you can also have like f- uh, fast cavalry units that are actually good at fighting. And I think these can be very dangerous. Uh, so if you have like a 10-man unit of light cavalry and give them full command, uh, they will never get the rank bonus, but they will probably still outnumber your enemy if you charge like a, a 20-man unit of infantry, and then you can move these guys up the flank, a full march move, and then pivot them or reform them to face their flank. So if the enemy advances, they'll get a, a flank charge from a unit that they won't kill that much because light cavalry usually only have like light armor and hand weapons or maybe spears if they're more elite. But they'll still be a considerable force to, to flank you when with a banner and outnumber can do some damage. And also remembering that you can put a character in there. So you can actually put something that will, will kill your enemy. I think that light cavalry can be used pretty effectively as combat units on the flanks. So I am gonna build some uh, some command for my ungols, and I'm gonna try these th- this kind of ten man unit out sometime in the future. So, uh, like uh, like Nicholas mentioned, now there are units with uh, with different composition of weapons. So you need to ask yourself, what do I want my fast cavalry to do? Elves are pretty much all around good blazer skill, good weapon skill. They can be armed with spears and often a shooting weapon. Like uh, Illyrian Reavers, they have spears. And uh, do they have elven bows? Uh, yeah, I think it is, actually. 
Do they have any? Do they have barding? No, no barding. No fast cab have barding. Yeah, but you never know with elves. <laughs> yeah, elves and their freaking barding that don't give them any minus to remove. You never know. <laughs> Maybe magically enchanted. Yeah. And then we have the dark riders with uh, that comes stock standard with the hand weapon and a spear. So yeah, then we add uh, add on the, re the repeated crossbow on top of that. Yeah, so some units can have different different jobs on the battlefield, but if you ask me, it's good to stick to one. Otherwise, the points are stacking up. Yeah. Yep. Well, as you're seeing uh, the Dark Raiders again, as an example, they're really great because they work great with the crossbows, but you have that spear for maybe like a crucial or late game uh, rear charge, whatever, just to have that li little bit of extra. Yeah. I think the the darkers can be used like pretty effectively as a, an offensive unit if you, especially if you chuck a character in there on a dark steed, because they're weapon skill four as well, right? Yeah, yeah, coming in yeah. with a spear, it's pretty good. Uh, should we go through the like a uh, step by step the different units that the different armies have? Do you have, do you have one of those lists there, an article? Yeah, but I think we should talk about how to face these units just a little quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, well, I've no. never been yeah. on the receiving end. <laughs> like we all know, fast cavalry are very poorly armored. It's like most, at most, they have light armor and shield. And with riding, they have a four up save. But that's, I mean, it's good, but it's not that good. So that, along with the uh, toughness three, unlike every single fast cav unit, they're easy to kill with shooting. So uh, if you need to shoot at them, if you have skirmishers with bows or repeated crossbows, use those guys. They're they're easy to to like. Fan hittar inte ordet. They're just easy to kill, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the thing with light cavalry is that uh, they're they're they easy to 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 meet up the threat, so to say. Yeah. The thing with light cavalry is that you 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 kind of want to dance with them along with something else, so that then we have to make a decision what to shoot at. They'll probably want to shoot at the more kill unit. But if they do shoot yeah. at the light cavalry unit, they will melt away instantly. Yeah, yeah. Shoot just bows with like Ballista Skill 3 guys. Shoot slings at them, they'll, they'll die. It's it's enough. It's enough, more, more than enough. War machines, per se, aren't that hot using to shoot at, at the fast cavalry. Like, I'm talking like uh, stone throwers, cannons, and... Uh, ballistas now but things like uh, the empire volley gun the dwarf organ gun rattling guns they're yeah. superb elven bolt throwers with the yeah, those chops. two those yeah those two great taking out these yeah. guys and also give me shiver <laughs> and also magic they're like pretty much every lore or every army book have this spell which causes d6 strength yada yada hits or 2d6 strength yada yada hits yeah and the they, magic missile yeah the trusted magic missile they always always and i say always do the job <laughs> yeah i can confirm this and uh like Nich nicholas was touching on earlier flying units flying units are also good to, to take out or slow down fast cavalry units a flyer will always fly 20 inches. And when they're within 8 inch inches of the fast cab, they only move at their normal rate. Yeah, I would be careful with this, though. 
because usually the light cavalry units are pretty good. Like even if you're if you land at the flank or something or behind them, they can still just stand still and shoot behind them because they have 360 degrees firing. Yep. So they can usually remember, kill the flying unit. Every flying unit is a skirmish unit, so it's gonna be hard to hit. It's true. Be wary. I've I've hunted great eagles before. <laughs> Did you fell any? Yeah, two of them. Nice. So now we can talk about the units. Yeah. Should we start with the ones in the article? Yeah, go ahead. So, Chris, I think you should start with the Dark Riders. Yep. And uh, the advantages of the Dark Riders, we have touched on some of them before. And they can be costly when you upgrade them with uh, the repeated crossbow. So... Repeat the crossbow basically costs six points per model. So you might not want to do a 10 man Dark Rider unit for that reason. Yeah, they're very pricey. On the other hand, you could get, you do get a good elf on a horse. Yeah. How, so, how much are they base? The base cost? They're 18 points, then you got the six points per model for the repeat the crossbow, and then it's just a command upgrade after that. So, Yeah, 18 points is it's not terribly expensive. It's a pretty good price. The lovely move nine of an elven horse as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think just having these guys will definitely be a good like uh, flank charging unit without the crossbows. But with the, the crossbows, they're excellent. Just put at the flank of your enemy. And just fire away while they advance across towards your lines. Yeah. And uh, they also got the benefit uh, of uh, a base leadership of eight. So they're quite good in that respect as well. Yeah. And uh, with a musician, while they're regrouping, it's leadership nine. So that's perfect. Just stand in front of the enemy, shoot crossbows, retreat, and regroup. Yeah. So, sum up, good leadership, repeat the crossbows, and so, and that makes them a multi-role unit. So you can still use the spears for a charge when you need. You can uh, outflank and shoot uh, crossbows and the uh, flanks of an army and uh, hunt characters and uh, war machines at ease if you get uh, get them past the main line of uh, the enemy army. Yeah. yeah, classic elves, really good, a bit fragile, uh, but expensive. Yeah, the toughness three don't really help there. So, Jimmy, the, the next ones are a unit that you want to make for your Kurgans, right? Oh yeah, the Chaos Marauder Horseman. This is a unit spoiled with choices, so to say. Uh, they start out at 13 points each. And they come with a hand weapon and ride a standard horse. And uh, on top of that, you can give them shields, spears, flails, throwing axes or throwing spears. So you can customize them for your army's needs. And uh, I think I'm going to do a lot of flails because plus two strength in the first turn of combat is nice. Maybe throwing axes too. And uh, like throwing axes is, I think it's eight inches range and plus one strength. Yeah. And they're one of the few uh, fast cavalry units that come with the, the option of a shield, right? Yeah, I think it's those guys and goblins. Yeah, so yeah. these guys can definitely be used as a yeah. flanking attack unit. And yeah, I, and I that... think uh, like uh, for the low point cost, I think they're going to be like 15 or 16 points each, and that's a good price to pay 
for a multi-role unit. Yeah. Yeah, and it will work well with Chaos, because Chaos is an offensive army, so you want to charge the, the enemy headlong. So it's really good to have a, a flanking unit to help. Oh yeah, and their their weapon skill 4, initiative 4. So they're really good for being humans. Yeah, yeah, and the flames are crazy. Plus 2 strength and charge. Oh yeah, yeah. So to summarize, the advantages are you can customize them for any mission. And their disadvantages is they're not Chaos Knights. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What uh, army slot do they take up? Are they core or are they special? They that depends on your general. If your general is a mortal general, they're core. If your general is a beast or a demon, they're special. Because I noticed that also we forgot to mention with the dark riders, which is a core choice for the dark hills. Oh, I didn't know they were core. I thought they were special. And that's why they so. That's why they're good for the dark hills because they don't. They only go up against the warriors or the corsairs. So, depending on how you tailor your list, you don't lose any of the special or rare options for making a all cavalry list if you want. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I just want to say with marauders, they're ballistic skill three, right? Yeah, they are. So, throwing those axes are—I don't know how effective that's going to be. I don't think throwing weapons get any negative modifiers, just like pistols. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And besides, they only have like an 18-inch range, so they're situational at best. Just like if you want to use them for a charge or something, just to the turn before, throw axes at people. Yeah. All right, what, what's next on the list? The next is the Bretonian Mounted Squires. Start out yeah. at 16 points each. They come with spear, bow, and an option for shield. They can do any kind of roll, like you hear. They don't cause panic tests on on knight units. Which they have in common with all the yeah. lowborn in the Bretonian yeah. army. <laughs> yeah, I would say these guys, they're a special choice, by the way, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think they are they have a lot of equipment and they get kind of pricey for it. And uh, they have a lot of jobs to fulfill, but I wouldn't say they're very good at any of them because they're only to skill three with their bows. But and... they're a great screening unit for your knight core. Yes, yeah, but, to... and they're they got spears, but they're also weapon skill three, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I played with Hugo, who was playing Britannia with me, uh, he kind of came to the conclusion that Pegasus knights are just do what these guys are supposed to do because the the shooting usually five bows of ballistic skill three is not going to do a lot. So these guys are not super hot, in my opinion. But that depends on what you're using them for and the theme of your army as well. Yeah, of course. And if you're using them just as a screen for soaking up stuff for your knights, they're great. Uh, especially since they don't, as we said, cause panic or anything for the knights. The knights just don't care about them. They're just there to die and uh, keep the knights alive. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead with the next unit, which is the Goblin Wolf Riders. This is the cheapest fast cab unit in the game. 10 points each. And they can be upgraded with spears, short bows, and shields. They can have light armor, but if they pick light armor, they're no longer fast cav. The really bad Which is things... just a fun thing to add yeah. for them. Yeah. The bad things about them is their low leadership of six and that they suffer from animosity. Otherwise, they can fulfill any kind of role that's needed. And yeah. so, so after you position them on the flank, you got this perfect flank charge planned, then you roll a one. Yeah, and it's bound to happen. 
but they're really fast since wolves have movement nine. And uh, there's been a running joke where where people say that the steed always does better than the rider in Warhammer Fantasy, and and in this case, it's uh, it's known in the stat lines because wolves are better than the than the goblins. This is this is a unit that you basically take to get access to fast moving wolves, and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, are are these a special choice or a core choice or core core choice? So you can do oh, a whole, whole mounted army if you want to. Yeah, I, I rate these pretty pretty highly actually. The the wolves are good in close combat. You can give them spears and shields and uh, no limitations on commands. You can have full full command. Just try and charge these into the flank. They're really really cool. Yeah, and like we said, they're sheep, so you can have a few. No, normally, I would have like five. Maximum seven guys in a fast cav unit, but these guys, I could, I, I think I could go up to twelve. Yeah, definitely. And you could probably throw in like a, a like a, a big boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would truly help them by one point of leadership and actually with some fighting prowess. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's one of the better fast cavalry units, I would say. Probably you don't want to equip them with bows. I will not do bows because they don't have bows. They have short bows. Yeah. Yeah, and they're range 16 in 6th edition, right? Yeah, sadly. Yeah, so they're if you're outside of 8 inches, they're going to be at long range as well. So Yeah. But this is skill 3. Not super hot. Skin and spears, charge in. Yeah. Scream. Enjoy. Nicholas, do you want to talk about one of your fast cav units now? Yeah, the, the Ungols. Yeah. The, the only fast cav unit that they have and uh, they don't need any else because these are <clears throat> the best human archers in the old world uh so these guys are 17 points base they ride a regular horse they don't have any armor they have bows regular bows and they can they start out at five guys in p unlimited i guess and they have a command uh so yeah their core choice which is really nice the lancers are also core so it doesn't really matter but it's good that you can take unlimited. You're not just stuck with having three. Uh, so the the main thing about these guys is that they're basic human stat line, but they got ballistic skill four, which is really good. I think the, these are the only basic human troops that have ballistic skill four. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're just great. It's great at shooting stuff, just moving around, just being annoying, killing war machines. As I said, I've pretty much only ran these in the five-man squads, but I'm gonna try running some ten-man units to try and actually be like offensive with them. Um, I would say they're a bit pricey. Uh, a five-man unit with musician is ninety-two points, so it does hurt a bit when they get killed. But yeah, they're they're really good because they can they can destroy the enemy light cavalry from range because they just got got so good ballistic skill. So they'll probably win duels even though they don't have any armor. And given that they're one of the few units you can take in that army. <laughs> yeah, you're bound to take some of them. Yeah, so that's just a nice thing that they're actually really good. Because imagine if they had like Ballistic Skill 3 instead. Yeah, they did have Ballistic Skill 3 in uh, the Empire book they were in, in the in the 4th edition Empire book. Although they were a bit cheaper, but like, what, what's the point of taking them at all? So what's next on the list? Next is the High Elf Illyrian Reavers, and I think this is a job for Chris. Yeah, and I'm going to start off with their biggest downside, and that is their special unit. Yeah. They are, on the other hand, uh, quite decent. They come with uh, hand weapon, light armor, and spear, and ride elven mounts. They got the 
more or less the same stats as the Dark Riders, which is not that surprising, really. Which also sadly means uh, they can they cost all 18 points with a six points per model upgrade for bows. Mm. So the bows cost as much as the repeater crossbows. Yeah, but but you get the option of uh, replacing the spears with bows for five points per model. Okay, that that's not great. No, that's is that that's an option you can take if you're really really low on points for something else and you have to save five points. Yeah. By making uh, the Illyrian Reavers a ranged unit and not a multi-role unit. Yeah. Yeah, I see people using these. Uh, pretty decent choice. I would say like the, the High Elves have a lot of different units that could probably fill their role as well. Like the, the Shadow Warriors are like a good range unit. You can just move around freely. The Eagles are pretty good at Marsh Blocking. Yeah. And if you're looking at uh, the page they're on in the Sixth Dead book, it's Illyrian Reavers, and then below them are the Dragon Princes of Kalidor. Yeah, which... I know I know which unit I would choose. <laughs> yeah, and that's the one with the 0-1 to choice in between. in between. That can also take a magic standard for 50 points and uh, give the unit champion 25 points of magic items. Yeah, it's a problem with every high elf unit. Like They have a lot of cool units, but they're all competing for the special or rare slots. Yeah, the Illyrian Reavers are also competing against uh, Swords Masters, Shadow Warriors, uh, the Ternok Chariot, which isn't that great in 6th uh, edition. It's not bad, but it's all, not that great. All, all Chariots are great. Uh, <laughs> trust me, trust me. But uh, it uh, that's what the Reavers are up against. And even if they were a core choice, they would be up against uh, other cavalry, namely the Silverhelms. Yeah. Yeah, they're a really cool unit, surrounded by great units. Yeah, so situational, good, since it can make it uh, multi-purpose, but yeah, if you don't uh, find a need for them, it's not really something you have to take in a high elf army. All right, next one. Next one is the Hobgoblin Wolf Riders. I'm going to mm. say they're, for, they're one point more expensive than the, than the Goblin Wolf Riders. But they're pretty much exactly the same. The difference is is that the Hobgoblin Wolf Riders have weapon skill three, which the goblins have two on, and their leadership oh. and their leadership seven instead of leadership six. Otherwise, they have the same kind of choices, really. Yeah, this is good. Not being hit on threes by regular humans. Yeah. So uh, also just the 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 position they're in compared to the goblins, because the goblins are with an aggressive. Uh, attacking army while these guys are in a more defensive chaos dwarf yeah army. yeah should also note that the hobgoblins don't count against the minimum co of core units you can take right yeah exactly so you have to take them in addition to other stuff yeah but why wouldn't you in a chaos dwarf <laughs> army exactly yeah i would say i would almost equip these guys with both compared to the goblins as well because since they're 
these guys are not going to be like a, an offensive flank charger like the Goblin Wolf Riders. These are probably going to be screening units. Like, and yeah, screening trying and to, harassing. Yeah, he's trying to slow down the enemy while the Chaos Wars shoot them with all their war machines and blunderbusses and magic. So yeah, these guys could do with some bows. Oh, but by the way, do they have bows or short bows? They have bows. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Nicholas, I think you should take the Empire Pistoliers. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of experience facing these guys, and uh, they're a great offensive unit. So they're armed with two pistols, and their uh, unit champion has got a pistol and a repeater pistol. So I think, I don't know if he gets three or four attacks charging, but they are great for charging. So they both they all get to strike with both their pistols in close combat. So a unit of five is, uh, I have to, to think... <laughs> Uh, like 12 attacks if the unit champion gets 4 attacks which I think he does uh, at strength 4 with armor piercing so these guys hurt a lot yeah and they're only 19 points each yeah so these are great for just the flank charging units along with some knights flanking, uh, charging in the front or just uh, riding around and trying to shoot stuff I, I, I would definitely use these guys to uh, to try and hunt characters and just shoot war machines actually you don't even have to charge them so yeah because the, the good part about them is that pistols don't get a negative modifier for long range or moving. So yeah. they're always going to hit on 4+. plus. Yeah. yeah. Do they get minus one for multiple shots? Nope. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, because they have like this rule that they can use both pistols, right? Compared yeah. to other guys. Yeah. Yeah, these, these guys are great. Uh, Joseph that I play against usually have... Uh, Fire them in a unit, but uh, I, I don't think they can take uh, a banner, though. No, they can't take a banner nor a musician. They can only take a champion. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like You can't use them as a... What are we saying? Like Having a banner and charging in the flank, so you get all the bonuses. You, you can still unless, use them as a... Unless you want to put a battle standard bearer with them, but I'd yeah. see them as wasting a battle standard bearer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's very true. You can put a Ballastand mirror and have a like a ten man unit with a character. You could probably yeah, I mean, bust a lot of you, units. If, if you think your your army can do without a Ballastand bearer, but you want to add a captain to them for fighting prowess, I don't see why not. You you shouldn't pay the extra twenty five points to go along with them. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I usually don't have Ballastand bears in my armies in sixth edition. They're because they don't give the, the double bonus, like in 8th edition, and you can only use them for break tests. So That's, that's why they almost made them uh, compulsory in 8th edition, right? Yeah, what do you mean almost? Don't leave home without one. Don't leave home with uh, the Battle Standard Bearer, your deck of land cards for mana. And a scroll caddy. Yeah. And then you have to have the enchantments for the enchantment for the enchantment for the artifact that makes your army extra powerful but uh, to sum it up the empire pistoliers is a fun unit that has got its uses and it looks pretty pretty cool yeah, yeah. the advantages are that they have pistols and they're fused at attack <laughs> the disadvantages yeah. leadership seven no option for musician and their special choice so they are competing yeah. Yeah. with great swords, cannons, and mortars. Yeah, and it's a rare army where you won't take great swords, cannons, or mortars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say take at least one of these units, Mirror Empire Army. They're great. Which is why I probably will take one because I make got the plans for a Empire Force in the future. 
You're gonna have like 200 points of every army at the end, Chris. Yes. I've almost painted, well, I painted, currently actually have painted more than 200 points of high elves, so ha! <laughs> All right. So, what else do we have? We have uh, flesh hounds, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, 16 points each, and they're nice. Uh, they have fear, which is really, really good to use in the sixth edition. They do suffer from demonic yeah. instability, so uh, but they are also immune to psychology, so they can't flee and they can't, well, they can't flee as charge reaction, so that's a bit of a downside. They're easily to yeah. bait because they're frenzied, but they do get two attacks each, strength four, so that's really good. And they do have this, like, like we said, a demonic save. So it's a five plus word save against non-magical attacks. And uh, since we mentioned that the one good way of uh, killing fast cav was magic missiles. Yeah, these they're are extra followers good. of corn or made yeah. by corn. Yeah, so they have magic resistance too. So they're gonna get some extra saves. Oh well, not extra saves, some extra dice against against those spells yeah so it's probably a good thing because to balance out that uh, little oh they have been chasing the enemy fast cav for the entire game so at least they can't kill him with spells yeah more more often than not not they actually will it depends on what if the enemy bait out your dice on other stuff anyway uh, these yeah. guys they are uh, they do, they do not count towards the minimum core unit requirement. And if you're playing a mortal or a beast army, there are special, special choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I say these, so, these are great for, for flank charging uh, yeah, or your screening. Are. Yeah. And uh, their advantages, medic resistance and frenzy. Disadvantages are frenzy <laughs> and uh, they don't count as core. Yeah. Well, but... core, core the, the minimum core. Yeah, and that's something we saw with uh, the Hobgoblin Wolf Riders as well. Yeah. So let's follow this up with a second set of wolves then. Yeah. And uh, these are great to be killed uh, with a melee attack by a Dark Elf Sorceress. And these are the Undead Dire Wolves. Also a sheep unit, but they're not true cavalry. No. And... uh, well, ten points, and uh, they cause fear, but uh, that's because they're undead, basically. And uh, since they're undead, you can't uh, march outside of twelve inches of the general. Yeah, and uh, you can't flee as a charge reaction. No. Yeah, no. Krell lost these guys. I guess like you have to focus so much attention on the zombies and skeletons marching towards you. You don't usually have enough units to focus on just some wolves running on side, and then eventually they'll get to your lines unmolested. Another thing that's great to kill these with is, is a side, a flank charge with uh, inner circle knights. They run right right <laughs> through them, but uh, they also uh, have a little bonus bonus on their charge because they get uh, plus one strength. When they charge. Yeah, the slavering charge. Nice. 
So you got advantages, low points, cost, cause fear, a slavering charge. Great, because that plus one strength. But uh, you only have the. They only really do work as one thing because they have no shooting. And. Uh, yeah. You can't. Uh, you have to have them within your general to march. Yeah. 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 And uh, they lack most of the charge reactions, other than die, basically. Yeah, I think we have three, maybe four units left to talk about. We have the Wood Elves. We have two units from those guys. We have the Demonetsu yeah. Seekers. And we actually do have Dogs of Warf, Light Cavalry. All yeah. right. But uh, let's uh, start with the Demons, I think. That's not, yeah. that's not only because yeah. I have them in front of me on my screen when we're talking. <laughs> Yeah, I'm holding the book in front of me here. Yeah. Yeah. They're swift and deadly. 30 points each. Yeah, mounted demonets. Yeah. So these guys are, they kind of only have one role, but they do it really good. Yeah, I just want to say, though, that, that these guys, if you're, you're like, what? Mounted demonets? Were they in this edition? They were released in the Storm of Chaos book. For yeah, these. and they're in the chaos list for that one. So. Yes, and they can be used. For regular Horse of Chaos as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Beast uh, of Chaos. True. And they got one thing that may, that's almost makes them stand out against all of the other Fast Cav, and that is that they can lick people to death. <laughs> so they are the fastest Fast Cav unit in the game. They have movement 10. Yeah. They also got the Leadership 9 as base. No, 8. Leadership 8. The riders, it says eight here in my. Yeah, in my version of Storm of Chaos, that's nine. Maybe I have the White Wharf version. Yeah, because they got both the Mount and uh, Demonet got a leadership nine in uh, yep. Storm of Chaos. And I'm switching book. <laughs> Great to be on the same page, everyone. Yeah, they're they're high movement, high leadership, but they're also freaking thirty points per model. Yeah. And uh, the tongue attack that we've talked about is uh, attacks from the mount count as poison attacks. In addition, the mount always strikes first in close combat, even against a charging enemy. Uh, yeah, if... uh, always strike first is pretty scarce in this edition as well. Yeah, it's not like half of all of the units in eighth. Yeah, all the L's. And if an opponent has the same ability, resolve the strikes in initiative order. If these are the same, roll a d6 to see who strikes first. And that is only applicable to the mount, not the demonet. And they also got the Aura of Slanish, that's in uh, Horses yeah. Chaos book. Yeah, which gives enemy units in base contact a minus one to their leadership. Yeah, that's yep. just just so nice. Yeah, and they're demonic as well, so they cause fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the the riders themselves are not bad either. The weapon skill no. four, strength four, yeah. toughness three, initiative five, and two attacks. Yeah. These guys come in and do a lot of damage. And they cause fear, so they might break you. And they're super fast. Like these, They have everything, but they are 30 points per model. Yeah, but on the other hand, there's they, depending on how you want your demon army to be, they're a really nice addition. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely like to have some if I had a Slanish army. Yeah, and they are core units in demon armies. So that's yeah. nice. 
Yeah, and uh, in the Stormcast list, there's, there's the Mounted Demonettes and the Flamers. That's basically what's the core unit. So it's not that hard to fit them in either. Yeah. Obviously, other than the other, the regular Demonettes and stuff like that, but if you just look what's new in the Stormcast list. Yep. Yep. Really cool. Awesome, but expensive. Yeah. Another expensive unit. Uh, I'm going to jump. Uh, so, before we jump to that, the advantages of these guys, they're really fast. They do have Demonic Ward. The Demonic Ward is also a disadvantage against shooting attacks, and they don't have any shooting attacks themselves. No, not shooting attacks from earlier. The Demonic Ward doesn't work against magical attacks. Sorry. Yeah. And you can also take these in uh, the Cult of Slanesh Dark Elf lists from Storm of Chaos. Yeah. So, next unit should be the Glade Riders from the Wood Elves. Yeah. They're expensive, if you ask me. Yeah. They're core, core, core unit, 24 points apiece. They come mm. with a spear and a longbow. They can have full command, but that's it. No other extra stuff. Yeah, and they've uh, got the 5 to 10 limitation instead of a 5 plus yeah. as most other units. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, these are really cool. I would say these are really good, like compulsory core choice for wills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and the models, I love them. Too bad they don't sell them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I faced some of these guys, a full ten man unit with command. And I mean, if you, if you check a character in there, they're a really good unit, really versatile as well. And if you don't yeah. want to use them to charge, you can stand and shoot with both. And. Uh... They still have that uh, little special wood elf rule, don't they? Yeah, I was thinking of that, that you can move without getting a penalty to shooting, right? Is, was that the one you were thinking of? Mm, let just keep talking about them and then I'm going to check the rule <laughs> I'm thinking of. But yeah, I think that, that was, is what I had to say about these guys, actually. Um, but 24 points, so the, the other elf riders were the same points. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confirm this. Yes, they don't get any negative modifier from moving with the Wood Elf Longbows. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the fact is, they seem expensive, but if you want Dark Riders or Illyrian Reavers with a ranged weapon, they cost the same. The only thing you're missing yeah. is the light armor. Yeah, great. Greatest score choice, for sure. Oh, yeah. So next in the Wood Elf list. That's the... It, what's, what are they called again? Wild Riders. Yes. And wild those Riders guys are wild. I'm trying to find them in a book. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are better versions of the... Blade, Blade Riders. Yeah, they're, they're two very points. aggressive... Yeah. Fast yeah, but they don't have any shooting. They're 26 points yeah. apiece, and uh, they have light armor and spear. Yep. They can have a musician for free. Oh my god. No, they, they can't have. They have to have. They must upgrade yeah. one wild wheel, wheel rider. And they can have a magic banner. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, these guys are really good. And they cost fear on the charge, right? I think so. I'm going to look up the page for all their rules yeah, yeah that's sure what i'm trying to do as well. they have a list of rules yeah they have a lot of rules. i think they have, they have two attacks as well 
You just want to say that the, in yeah. uh, 6th edition, they had some malls for them. They were basically horses with some armor on their heads and some cool riders. And then for 8th edition, they released the, the wild riders they were riding on stags. They were really cool. Or deer, whatever. These are the first ones I've actually thought of having. I just had a t- thought of, I should have opened Army Builder and just listed these ones in so I can see the special rules easily. easily. <laughs> Yeah, they have they the have wild the hunt. Yeah, the wild hunt, which gives them uh, causes they causes fear when they charge. They have the talismanic test tattoos, which that gives is them... a six plus ward and yeah, then this as one. Yeah, and uh, do they have the fear of colonels too? Yeah, the plus one attack. Yeah, in which when they don't charge. Wow. Yeah. So they are so if they charge, they got get attacked. If they don't charge, they get the plus one attack. So this guy's quite, are crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's quite good when they're getting stuck in combat. Yeah, yeah, these guys are really good. Really yeah, offensive you, uh, cavalry. And we did mention the wild hunt, right? Yeah. <laughs> With the yeah, causes fear until the start of the next wood elf turn. Yeah. So like these guys are so good in assault that or in in, in charging that Usually, when we mentioned light cavalry, we're like, oh, yeah, these are good for flank charging. But I think these guys would be able to pull off just frontal attacks. Yeah. And, and these are like the most hard hitting units in the Wood Elf army. Yeah. So, them being a special unit, I don't think that's a disadvantage. You will take these guys. We, yeah. Perhaps we should mention the Forest Walker rule as well, if we haven't. Yeah, go ahead. Which is all models in the Wood Elf army, except fires using their flying movement, may ignore movement penalties for moving through woods. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, yeah, that makes up a lot of these points, high point costs for them. Yeah, and it also makes up for a lot of uh, the lack of any kind of armor for them. Yeah. At least for yeah. the Glade Riders and the lesser armor for these. And... Uh, Aren't Wood Elf players uh, allowed to put out the forest on their own somewhere on the battlefield? Yes, in pitched battles they are. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so these guys are just great for you put them in a forest uh, and then you can pivot them wherever you want for a turn and be able to charge out without any penalties. Yeah, and uh, the restrictions of the woods is that it has to be no larger than six inches in diameter anywhere in his half of the table for the Wood Elf player. Yeah, which is great because you do after the roll for table size, but before any units have been deployed, so you can put it wherever you want. So going for advantages and disadvantages. Their advantages are they have a lot of cool special rules. They are the only fast cav unit in the in the game that can have a magic banner. Yeah. 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 The disadvantages. It's kind of a one roll unit like. With the wolves, they can yeah, only they are, do the fighting thing, but they have as long as uh, they, they are really good at what they do. Yeah, given that, uh, well, they have probably a lack of durability in the in long run. But since they, as long as the musician is alive, they cause fear. They get the plus one attack in a prolonged combat, as long as they don't, or even when they don't charge. So if they get charged, they get that, and you can just. Run them straight through a wood if you want to, and uh, attack someone unsuspecting in the flank or rear. And these are pretty much the only real offensive unit in the Wood Elf army. Yeah, yeah, I, I love these guys. They're great. 
So the last unit we're going to talk about is going to be the Light Cavalry unit from the Dogs of War Army. They start at 11 points apiece. I'm sorry, and... I just checked I just checked the banners for the Woodolves. Because you had a 50-point limit there, and uh, you can get a banner that uh, forces the enemy to roll one less die when, when fleeing. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> And you can also make them unbreakable if you want to, but that's not really that good. Uh, the distance at which enemy models are prevented from marching by this unit is increased from 8 to 12 inches. That's another one. Yeah. That just makes them even more versatile if you want to use them. But they're special choice, so they do compete with other stuff. I know a guy in town who's starting Wood Elves, and I think he will use these guys. He should. <laughs> Of course he will, if they're that good. I need to get more fanatics. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry to, that I interrupted you. Uh, so, start again. <laughs> yeah. Back back to the Light Cavalry from the Dogs of War army list. They start at 11 points apiece. They have the normal human stat lines. They ride normal horses. They come with a hand weapon at first. They can have a spear for one point, a bow for four points, or and or a shield for two points apiece. So they're kind of like the most basic of the basic light cavalrys in the game. Yeah, I really like these guys because they're like the Bretonian mounted yeoman, but you don't have yeah. to take a bow. Yeah, exactly. So they can either be used as hand weapon and shield maybe, or just hand weapons and to use, uh, march block people. Or use bows if you have a more static army and just kind of do what the Hobgoblins did. Or you can yeah. give them spears and shields to try and flank charge stuff. So, yeah, I really like yeah. them. They're really versatile. Oh, yeah. So I don't think we missed any unit in the game now, no? Well, the dwarves don't really have any. So. <laughs> and nor does the Skaven. Nor, well, the, the, the mounted bowmen for Tomb Kings aren't really... Fast cav either. Oh yeah, they? they are. We need to talk about those guys. I totally forgot about the Tomb Kings. Oh yeah, yeah. that's that's quite common, I think. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, All their cavalry is light cavalry, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's good that we yeah, remembered it before we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Screaming at us like, what about the Tomb Kings? Uh, yeah. Can so, remember that? Skeleton, skeleton light horseman, fourteen points. They got a hand weapon and bow. They can get a full command. They got a whopping leadership of five. Yoo-hoo, but, but they're undead. Yeah, and they're that's negated with other rules the Tomb Kings have as well, isn't there? And yeah. they they are fast cavs, so they're basically a fourteen point. Uh, could, can they have spears? <laughs> no, they no, just they, have, can. Uh, they can only have a command upgrade. Both. Yeah. Right. Well, so, the, the the thing about these is the. Because they're light cavalry, you can move up and then you can reform. And then the Tomb Kings have their incantations. They can let them charge again. Yeah. So can, or shoot again. Flank charge. Yeah. But yeah. the thing about these guys is also when they shoot, they have a ballistical too because they're skeletons. But they also have arrows of the asp. So they always hit on a 5+. plus, Always. Yeah. So you're never going to get any modif negative modifiers. And like Nicholas said... Along with the incantations, you can do a lot of fun stuff with these guys. The other skeleton unit wasn't a fast cav unit, so we won't talk about That's those. That's a heavy cav unit. But 
given Tome Kings, they do. If you want to play with special characters, you can do the addition of uh, the Kalida, uh, which is the Tomb Queen of the Eastern Desert, beloved of the Asp Goddess, murdered by Lamia, wasn't she? Something like that. But she do have a blessing of the Asp, which is unit of Skeletal Bowman, Skeletal Light Horseman, and charge in the army. That includes Queen Kalida may be given the blessing of the Asp at the cost of two points. So all shooting by these points counts as poison attacks. So that's the way you do it, basically. Nice. Nice. And well, she's 420 points. So. <laughs> yeah. Bit pricey for cool arrows. Uh, that's just one of her like seven special rules. She's also flammable, so. And uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven, guys. eight. Oh, guys! Guys, you find another one. The skeleton chariots are fast cavalry. Oh yeah, that's Ooh. true. Yes, we can also reform. Yeah. We should. So. Yeah, that's a really good thing, for them. Yeah. So the chariots, they form up units. They do D3 impact hits instead of D6 impact hits. And they have a unit strength of three per model instead of four. But as they're units and they're fast cav, they can move around really, really quickly. And uh, most often than not, I think you will have your general along with a unit of these because Tomb Kings in chariots is the shizniz. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys are really cool. Unless you add uh, Cetra to them, because then they don't no, no longer count as fast cab. That's true. But uh, that's also... Uh, the light chariots don't really have the same impact as a regular chariot, so that's a good thing, because if you want to change the playstyle of the chariots in that, po in that unit. So the strengths of the skeletal bowmen are the arrows of the asp, and uh, that they can use incantations on them. The negative yeah. thing is is that they can't march outside the vicinity of the general, like with the all undead things. And it's kind of the same negative things about the chariots, unless you do put your general along with them. But the strengths of the chariots are their toughness four, so they're the toughest fast cav in the game. They have three wounds each and a five plus armor save, I think. Or it might be a four plus. I don't know. Can't see it here really. Follows the same rules for chariots, so I'm gonna say it's four plus. Unless they mention something else down in the army list. Mm. Uh it's 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 five plus. It's five plus. It says so in the army list section. Yeah. But as we said, when it comes to Tomb Kings, a lot of how you play or your playstyle is determined with what kind of characters and, in the, some cases, special characters you want to use because they do change the playstyle a lot for the army. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, chariots do come with uh, bows and spears. And one little last tip here. If you face Tomb Kings, bring flaming weapon. And this for scrolls. Yeah. All, yeah. Oh, another note on chariots. If your army is led by a Tomb King... They are core choice. If it's led by a Tomb Prince, they are special choices instead. Yeah, I think so, that, that's all uh, the light yeah. cavalry in the game, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. If there's one we missed, well, write in and tell us about it, and then we just bring it up in the next episode. So, 
No, nothing more to do than that. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this Tactica segment. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do some more in the future. Oh, yeah. So and now should we head into uh, the next segment with uh, me and Jimmy and a guest that we have on to Ooh, talk about yeah. our trip to Poland. Yeah. Their, their part of the story is more shall we say complete than mine because uh, i'm jumping yeah yeah because i'm jumping back and forth back and forth a lot so bear with me you and your masters are desiccated relics of a dead age and what greater prospect do i have in nagisha service a future of mindless servitude in an unchanging world the great necromancer is a selfish child though assured of his power he remains forever terrified that another will take it from him. He will not be satisfied until his is the only will in existence, for only then can he be safe. Henrich Kemmler, talking to his nemesis Harkon the Black. Welcome to this segment of the episode where we're going to talk about our trip to Poland. Yeah! So, it's me, Jimmy, and Hugo. So Hugo was my partner for this uh, double tournament that we went to in uh, Poland, in Warsaw. Yep. Been a couple of weeks since we went there. In the meantime, I've been to Poland again, actually, uh, for a wedding this time. But uh, I think we'll remember roughly what happened. over. So uh, we've been preparing to go for this for a couple of months, I think. Yeah. And I, I got Hugo as my teammate. Uh, so Hugo used to be at my old game club back in Sweden, before I moved in Sweden, actually. Uh, so we known each other for a while. Mostly played uh, 40k back in the day, though. Uh, Nicholas actually introduced me to the tournament uh, shortly before I was going to go to London to play in the other tournament, the, the other 6th edition tournament. And uh, I wasn't sure about the dates. I wasn't sure I could make it. So I was like, yeah, you know, we'll see. And then uh, we played at the London tournament, and it was so great. I think he was on the metro on the way back to his house. I told him, like, yeah, okay, we're going. <laughs> like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great tournament back in London. And, yeah, we got hooked. We actually, like, we used to play a couple team tournaments together in uh, 40K. And, like, fantasy was always my, like, secondary game back then. But I know that you played a lot of fantasy back in the day, right? I did, yeah. I mean, I think it's... It's probably been 90% of my wargaming life has probably been fantasy. I, um, I picked it up in very, very late fifth. Uh, I remember my, my first wargaming miniatures ever was a box of Lizardman Sorai for like my sixth birthday. And back then, obviously, I didn't understand the rules. So I just, <laughs> I just painted them like the Power Rangers and, and you know, moved them around a table. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did play a lot in sixth. And then when I was a bit older, in seventh, I, I would play a lot of tournaments. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy, you went yeah. there with your girlfriend. Yeah, I did. Uh, first, I was supposed to go with you because you hooked me into this. And uh, when you told me you were going with Hugo, I was like, damn, I'm without a, I'm without a teammate. And I looked everywhere at home because uh, when I... Well, as I was going to a tag team tournament in Poland, and uh, I really want to play with someone I know. And uh, everyone I talked with at home was like, no, I don't want to go. No, I can't afford it. Yada, yada, yada. Always excuses. And then at home, my girlfriend was like, I can go with you. And uh, then I had to start 
playing a lot of games with her, so she got into the rules. And it took yep. about a month. And uh, for being someone who played the game for only a month, she's doing really great. Yeah, she she hadn't played at all before. No, never. That's great. So it was it was uh, fun to bring her along. Uh, she certainly did like it there. Uh, she told me after uh, the tournament that I never really thought this, it, it was going to be this fun. And uh, I hope she'll join in for another tag team tournament there. This is her first awesome. tournament ever? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I think we had about six or seven trial games before going. That's great. Yeah. So before this tournament, uh, Andre came to London actually to visit me and uh, we played a couple of games and I was like, oh shit, these guys mean business. I think this Polish tournament is going to be pretty, pretty hard. It's not going to be as like, <laughs> yeah. casual as the, the London uh, events I've been to. Uh, so I told you actually, like, yeah, you yeah, think and I was so might be scared. pretty harsh. Yeah, I was so scared. <laughs> I had to talk, talk to the, uh, to the host. Like, dude, is it this hard? No, no, it's chill, man, it's chill. <laughs> and and it totally was. I I liked how how variable the gaming, well, how 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 everyone gamed. It was there certainly was those hardcore gamers, but it was a lot of fun players. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, also kind of expecting it to be pretty harsh. And also, Hugo living in Poland told me that like he's been to some other war game tournaments. Like Lord of the Rings, and uh, there's like a big mix, but people can be pretty competitive. But I was like, oh, I'm going with Hugo. We used to play games. I know Hugo can play competitive. Like we used to play competitive 40k <laughs> way back. Um, so I thought it was gonna be fine. And then uh, uh, I went there a couple of days early uh, to Hugo in Poznan, which is another city in Poland. For those that don't know, uh, so I went there on a Wednesday, the Wednesday before the weekend. Uh, and uh, just did Poznan in a day, pretty much, and just enjoyed Poland. Always liked traveling to Poland. Uh, and then we went to, uh, yeah, like the day before we went, we were looking at the lists <laughs> that were submitted. <laughs> yeah, just, just going through them one by one. And we were like, holy shit, there are some harsh lists in here. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it but, was fun because not, not all the lists were like that. Maybe about half of them were like that. But the sequence in which we opened every single list <laughs> yeah. we opened was like three level two wizards, ma magic yeah. missiles everywhere, bound items with even more magic missiles, eight dispel scrolls. It was like, oh god, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> three cannons, hellblaster. Yeah, yeah. three cannons, hellblasters, uh, Lord, Lord of Heavens. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit intimidating because we had no. Well, almost no magic defense <laughs> like, whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, Kislev has no access to wizards at this points level. And I had a level two damsel with two spell scrolls. And uh, yeah, we opened the f first yeah. list and it's like, yeah, okay, they can, they can shoot out six magic missiles per turn and two more via bound items. All right, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like we were looking at the list and it was either double shooty shooty or double uh, like cavalry like ours pretty much yeah uh, and then uh, there on the friday the tournament was on saturday yeah and uh, <laughs> so me, me and hugo got out of train and hugo was pretty like distressed because he'd lost his keys so he was like pretty pretty busy trying to like it was, it was all under control 
<laughs> and then like I was like, all right, so how do we get to this place? And he was like, oh yeah, we can just walk there. It's the it's in the city center. And I was like, Hugo, the tournament is not in the city center of Warsaw. It's outside of the city. And he was like, no, it's not. And I was like, yes, it is. And he was like, no. And then he looked it up like, oh shit, yeah, you're right. I booked the this place that we're going to in the city center. <laughs> like, oh yeah. So we had to drink beer without you guys. The thing is, I'm. Not- I'm a celebrity, right? So if, if you invite me to a tournament and you tell me it's in Warsaw, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll go to Warsaw. I'll go to Warsaw. I'm not going to go out of my way and figure out where it is. It's up to you. Yeah. Uh, but it turned out good because uh, I have a couple of friends in uh, in Warsaw. It's like, oh, hey, I'm in Warsaw uh, this evening. You want to do something? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're actually in the city center. So we went out for a couple of beers and food. It was great. Unfortunately, we couldn't hang with you guys the evening before. Yeah, but we survived without you guys. We had a lot of fun. Hope you did. <laughs> uh, and then in the morning, we just took an Uber to this place. And also, it's another thing I love in Poland. Like the Uber is super affordable. Uh, yeah. So we got there on the Saturday, and it was a really nice area. Like, apparently, that's where all the politicians live. Um, it's just, like, it was nice a, a, a villas. It was a lot of contrast between the villas because some of them were like, well, it, I'm not sure it's supposed to be called a villa, if we say that. It looked more like a house from Mordheim, like <laughs> old, old houses, all abandoned. And it was like, wow. And next to this abandoned, broken house, there's like, it was like going in, uh, in Hollywood, like where all the stars lives and was like, oh, God. This I have to yeah. say though, I I, big. This I, is big. I said it 20 times during the tournament and I just have to say it again to get out of my system. The place where we were playing was beautiful and I, I thought yeah. it should have been one of those barbecue tournaments because they had lots of empty green space and they even had this little lake. It would have been perfect to have, yeah, one of those barbecue tournaments where you take a long lunch yeah. break and you just barbecue in between games. That would have been amazing. I mean, it was fantastic as it was. But yeah, the second yeah. I saw it, I said, oh man, we should be grilling something. We should be barbecuing something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the weather having, was really... Having a body. Well. <laughs> yeah. So we arrived there in the morning. Uh, we went into this, this palace uh, up to the where the tournament was. And it was met by Jakob, the tournament organizer. who was super friendly. Uh, and then pretty much straight away, we were met up with, uh, with our first game. Yeah. Before we talk about uh, our games, shouldn't we talk about what we brought? We probably yeah, should. Yeah, of course. You want to start, Jimmy? Want to start, Jimmy? I can start. I can start. Well, uh, me and my girlfriend, we kind of didn't really want to try too hard in this tournament. So we just brought fun stuff. And we brought Skaven and Night Goblins. All the randomness in one army. <laughs> what can go wrong? All the backstabbing. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, with the Skaven list that she played, she had uh, two blocks of 25 uh, clan rats. One of the units were armed with spears. Both units had full command. Everything that could have full command had full command. Uh, Each of those units had a rattling gun. I know you love them, Nicholas. uh... Stuff of nightmares. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we also brought a unit of 20 storm vermin with the Umbraner. They also had shields. The Umbraner is a nice magical banner for, I think, 30 or 35 five points. It gives so the storm unit... banner? No. 
The Umbraner gives the unit a 4-up ward save against any normal and shoot normal and magic shooting attacks with strength 4 or less. So they basically have a 50-50% against small arms fire to survive. Uh, we also had two rat swarms. I also know you love those, Nicholas. I know there's people out there who <laughs> doubt the rat swarms' power, but if you ask Nicholas, they're the bane of everything. Yeah, they're awesome. Like, what? People really say that they're not good? They're great tar pits. People use who them. Who says wrong. they're not awesome? They're amazing. Like, five wounds and five attacks per base. It's like godsend. I mean, like, yeah. having five, five swarms, I'm sure, they are expensive, but it's worth it. At least if you ask. Yeah. Me. yeah. I, I could have, we could have like an entire episode where I yeah. talk about it, how <laughs> like awesome. <laughs> and uh, we also had six Giselles for those heavy cavalries. We also had the magnificent warp lightning cannon, or like the Germans call it. Oh god, oh god, I'm getting PTSD. Warp, warp blitz cannone. Getting flashbacks <laughs> from our game. <laughs> And uh, leading this force, we had two Warlock Engineers, both equipped with all the things they need to cast spells. So casting Warp Lightning with 2d6 strength 5 hits, that's nice. And uh, we also had the Storm Demon on one of those, which is a bounce spell power level 4, I think, with the lower version of the Warp Lightning being able to cast. And we also had two extra Dispel Scrolls in this list. My list of Night Goblins was uh, three units of 32 Night Goblins, full command. Every, every unit had uh, Hand Weapon and Shield. And three Fanatics hidden in them. I also brought a Giant. I gotta love my Giant. He did nothing this whole tournament, except <laughs> for one, one, one... Okay, I got to use him one game, but it was a fun game. And uh, I also brought a unit of Squigs with Squig Hoppers. And uh, I brought four heroes because for every thousand points I play, I can bring an extra goblin big boss or night goblin big boss, as long as all characters are goblins. So I had uh, one level two shaman, uh, a BSB, and two big bosses. One with Gustless Battle Brew, which gives me a leadership 10 for one leadership test. And the Madcap Mushrooms, which gives my fanatics 2d6 damage instead of d6 damage on the turn that they are released. So there's a lot of randomness going on with these armies because Skaven, Skaven uh, Warlocks, they can hit themselves with their spells and their war machines are crazy because they're easy to, to misfire, but it's a high risk, high reward thing. And the Night Goblins, yeah. well, they're, they're weak, they're cowards. I mean, like leadership five throughout all my army. And but the fanatics makes it worth it as long along with the squigs and squig hoppers because they are nasty when they get into a fight. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, solid choices, <clears throat> both for the goblins and skaven. Those armies, I would say. Yeah. I do regret that I didn't bring my war machines, but I wanted a pure night goblin army, so no war machines. I should, on the other other hand, have brought a second shaman or brought three of them because greenskin magic is actually really good it's destructive if anything is the is the orc overseer a must in the war machine crew no they're not so then you could but still have play full right uh, no no because i want pure night goblins i night, oh yeah 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 okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, i see i see the yeah. crews are common goblins right 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 okay yeah 
So that was basically our armies. What did you guys bring? So we figured, oh, you want to go ahead? Should I? Uh, no, you, you start. You got the, the spotlight in our yeah. <laughs> double army. <laughs> so um, we were already working on a Kislev army and a Bretonian army, and they were all full cavalry. So we figured, hey, should work pretty well. Let's just go with that. So my list, the Bretonian side of things, I had a Paladin as General, he had Virtue of the Joust, so re-roll to hit on the charge when charging with a Lance, and he had the, the Lance of Artois, which gives Killing Blow on the charge. Then I had another Paladin, my mandatory BSB, with the Gromril Great Helm, so 2 plus re-rollable armor save, a Sword of Might, That's nice. so Strength 5, and he also had the Grail Vow. And I then had a damsel level two with two dispel scrolls on horse. I had eight knights of the realm with full command and a war banner, usually joined by my general. Uh, what else? What else? I had a six man unit of knights of the realm, musician and champion. I had three peg knights, uh, musician and champion. And then I had six grail knights, musician and champion. And that's it. That was the list. Uh, did you mention your Pegasus Knights? I did. I did. Like, how, how couldn't I? <laughs> MVP. Every game. <laughs> yeah. You want to run through your yeah, side so, of the list? Yeah, the, our plan was that uh, Hugo would have like the, the main uh, main attack attacking cavalry. Because like I have to swallow my pride to say this, but like Britannia pack more of a punch when they charge. And they can take more punches going in. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I have the best light cavalry in the world, so I thought that I would just take as much light cavalry and uh, some lancers as shaft, pretty much. And then I had like one unit that could actually punch stuff. So in detail, it was my boyar, Alexander, uh, with an enchanted shield and a lance and a horse. He was riding with nine uh, Griffon Legion that I finally got up to like a full 10-man squad now. Uh, with full command. And uh, I had three five-man Lancer units. They were supposed to be like a heavy shaft unit, kind of. So they can take care of enemy shaft and move around the table. Just bully things that are smaller than them. And then I had five Ungol Horse Archer units. That was it. And um, in, in retrospect, uh, there, there's a few things I think we, we should have done differently with the list. We were commenting about the tournament. On paper, we were very happy with the MSU concept of having the three small units of Lancers, having five small units of Ungolds, having one small unit of Knight of the Realms. On paper, we really liked it, but I think that I was coming from a place of, of thinking, oh, you know, tournaments, they never have adequate terrain, and you can just move around freely, and it's easy to maneuver. This tournament had fantastic terrain. It was, it was beautiful. It was the right amount. It was great. But we kind of had traffic jams in, in a couple of games. So, like every game. So, yeah, yeah. It was, Sounds it, like it my was, two last games. So I think, I think retrospectively it would have been better if we had taken two of those Lancer units and made it into a bigger one. And we would have had four big units instead of only having three big units. It would have been a little bit easier to, to maneuver. And then I would have changed a couple of things in my list too. But uh, yeah, we can, we can talk about later. Yeah, for sure. So uh, our first games, I remember when we were reading the list, me and Hugo, I was telling you like, oh, some of these lists are pretty harsh, but there is this like a really cool dwarf list. It would be cool if you guys faced that one. And you ended up playing that your first game. Yeah, we did. 
and uh, it was a list of uh, dwarfs along with empire. It was mostly a gunline list, but they sure had some fighty units. I mean, it was like 30 slayers in the list. It looked amazing yeah. with those guys on the table. So badass. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it was eight or ten knights. It was a couple of knights, that much I know. And uh, we faced those guys first. Really great guys. It was a fun game. And uh, it was a lot of shooting that game because they also had a dwarf cannon, a mortar. I think they had... No, it was a great cannon, a mortar. And they had the flaming... What was it called? Flame cannon for dwarves? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't think... No, it wasn't a Hellblaster, or was it? Yeah, I think it was a Hellblaster. Yeah, I think they had a Hellblaster. Yeah, yeah they had a Hellblaster. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if the dwarves had any other war machines. They might have had the organ gun, but I'm not sure. Was there an Empire army that didn't have a Hellblaster? True. Which Empire army does not bring a, a Hellblaster? Yeah, it's like the best artillery in the game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they pretty much played it defensively against us. They tried to lure out my fanatics with their, uh, what they're called, pistoliers. But yeah, that unit died like turn one or two. No, two survivors, but they fled off the battle. <laughs> yeah, they they failed their regroup every single turn. And uh, that game, the Skaven accidentally got blocked out from my animosity. So I kind of slowed us down so we couldn't approach the enemy in the in the kind of manner we wanted to. Uh, my giant, he died fighting dwarves. I was like, he survived. Was it slayers? No, it was the, uh, he had uh, rangers with the thane, mm. with the master rune of challenge. And uh, when the giant <laughs> had, uh, I think it was one or two wounds left, he, they, they told me, you have to charge us because we have the master rune of challenge. And I was like, <laughs> that was my plan all along. <laughs> but anyhow, he charged them. And I think it was in the stand and shoot that killed him because they have their crossbows. Oh, sad. Yeah. And he's a large target. So, yeah. And if he can charge, he's within half range. And with toughness five, crossbows does do damage on a giant. Since strength four, wounds on five up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also had two mages in their list. One using Lore of Fire and one using Lore of Heavens. Lore of Heavens guy always got their rerolls. So they could use the rerolls for uh, the misfire dice. Well, for, for the misfire table. So, Infamous engineer wizard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, classic. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, they, I think they had the flaming skulls. You draw a line, and every unit that it passes over takes damage. And they tried to throw it every single time without thwarting them. Every single time. It was like no side ever got any spells in the air, which was kind of great because I was so afraid of their spells. Uh, even though they weren't cast on me, they were they were always targeting the Skaven. The Skaven was the largest threat because animosity always kills it. And it did a couple of times that game, like three or four times, but I don't care. Animosity is fun. I think my squigs even killed more of my own guys than the enemy because I didn't get to fight 
with them, as usual. Sad. Yeah. In the end, uh, the game, like uh, we were trying, struggling getting forward to the enemy line. They were shooting at us over and over and over again. Uh, eventually, our rat swarm had dodged all the enemy units, and since they're skirmishers, they can always run, so it was easy getting them upfield. And they charged the uh, flame cannon and eventually got it, I think. Nice. Yeah, see, yeah. I keep telling everyone, restaurants are yeah. the bomb. Yeah, they're so good. And uh, against the, I think we almost killed all, all the slayers using rattling guns, of course and warp lightning but there was a handful of slayers left so we didn't get their points we lost the battle and we were close to get a draw uh, because i had a gamble i flank charged and front charged the uh, the rangers but i lost and my guys fled no <laughs> yeah like typical goblins yeah i had a saying in there though right yeah uh, he yeah he had a thane and the thing is he opted using hand weapon and shield on his guys so he he just survived all my attacks struck back killed enough goblins i think i lost by one or two i didn't lose by much but i fled with all my guys even with leadership 10 <laughs> like why do i even bring this potion i always fail this leadership 10 test <laughs> Yeah, if you're coward by heart, it will never help with potions. So yeah, incoherently, it was a lot of chaos from on our side, and they kept picking our guys off with their war machines over and over and over again. But I do remember how they were like, "How how how can you play with this kind of list? It's it's so random. How can you win with it?" Was a re there was a reoccurring thing. People were always like panicking over the randomness from our side. <laughs> like, how can you do this? It's a random. Oh, you can't plan. Of course, we can plan. We plan on stuff. Plan on things being <laughs> random. Yeah. Yes, like, sir. Yeah. So it was a lot of chaos. We eventually got into close combat, but it didn't really help out. My units were too scattered on the field, so... I should have deployed my things more in the center, I think. I kind of took the flanks in this game. All right. So, yeah. So, was um, it? I think with... we lost by, I think we got six points and they 14. All right. Well, not a crushing defeat, at least. Well, you know, the two goblin units that I lost, they're very cheap. Yeah. Also, I did miscalculate the points every game because I gave the enemies, I, I gave them the points for fanatics, but you can't, you you don't give the points for fanatics unless the parent unit is dead. So huh? I know someone else who I miscalculated points. I did that wrong every game, so our our game could or games could have ended differently if I had done it right. Yeah. Uh... Our first game, uh, we were matched up against uh, Tomb Kings and Skaven Alliance. Uh, so this is kind of a gun line, uh, but more like a magical gun line, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, yep. had, they had a casket of souls and warplock engineers and stuff, and some Skaven war machines. Uh, but it was... They had... 
It was uh, it was three Warblock engineers. All of them had the uh, the Warb Lightning uh, Warb Lightning spell automatically. They had two bound spells. Uh, one was I think it's called the something demon, and then another one. They had a Warp Lightning Cannon, a unit of clan rats. There were 29 of them with a rattling gun, another 29 with a flamethrower, 10 gutter runners. Um, that was a Skaven's. Oh, sorry, and a Warp Lightning Cannon. And the Tomb Kings had a Prince on Chariot, a unit of three chariots, one uh, Leech Priest, another Leech Priest with a casket, uh, four Ushapti, a swarm. And uh, a scorpion, scorpion, yeah, Uh, and some bowmen, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so our plan was pretty much uh, rush forward, use all the dispel on the first turn against the casket, and then hope that we (laughs) crush them on turn two. (laughs) So basically, on on turn one, because we prayed, we thought the you know the blessing could be pretty good against all that strength five. Uh, On turn one, they couldn't reach us because we deploy, we didn't deploy um fully forward and they had a wall on the right flank and we knew they were probably not going to abandon the wall so turn one they were at a range for uh warp lightning uh yeah so our, our plan was okay on turn one they can't shoot turn our turn one we move up and then turn two we just need to survive it right we need to burn our scrolls just try to stay alive and if we survive turn two then you know we, we should be in relatively good shape yeah and just hope that their uh, sand scorpion and the the what are they called the gutter runners won't show up and block our way. Yeah, and yeah then they were. We would just be able to charge them. They, I think the, um, I think the Skaven could have been deployed a bit better because what I was thinking before the game was, wow, they have so much warp lightning, and what they can do is they can just deploy the engineers outside the units. And just have them move around, dance around. We'll never get to them, and they're just well, they're just gonna kill us. But he did place all engineers within clan red units. So if we could just make it to those clan red units, uh, well, we could we could get rid of the engineers, which were the the number one threat. So uh, their turn one, nothing much happened. Um, again, they couldn't use warp lightning, and they they have two dice for the casket. We have three spell dice, so. That wasn't a problem. So our turn one, we just moved up upfield. And then their turn two is when, when things were going to get real. And uh, our plan was basically, if we keep our 3D spell dice for the casket, you know, that's, that's that solved. And then we just have to scroll whatever else they throw at us, right? So I remember, I think first they threw Warp Lightning or, or one of the bounce spells at a unit of Lancers. Uh, is that right? Uh, yeah. I think they killed like three and the other two fled or something like that. And then they they focused their attention or on the big unit of Knights of the Realm. So I had eight Knights of the Realm with the War Banner and my General, uh, basically right in front of a unit that had two uh, Warlock Engineers. So basically, if they got the charge, they were probably going to overrun that and remove a lot of their firepower. So they started shooting Warp Lightning. Uh, the first cast was a very, very good roll, so we scrolled it. The second cast was a very good roll, so we scrolled it. And then the third cast, he got off. At that point, we didn't have scrolls left, and we were saving the dispel dice for the casket. So, you know, we just thought, okay, 2d6, 
hopefully he doesn't roll very well, but he rolled 11 hits. <laughs> and I think he killed seven out of eight. Yeah, um, it was a massacre. It was like, wow. all right, there goes our center. The unit was there, and then 30 seconds later, it wasn't. It just, it was just completely gone. And I don't know what else he did. I think he killed seven Knights of the Realm, and that's somehow, whether he was shooting, I'm not sure, he killed the last one. Um, so it was just my general standing there by himself. Uh, wow. That wasn't great. Yeah, I remember also that we were like debating a bit, like how we should use the scrolls and if we should save the uh, the dispel dice for the casket. I think we I think we used like a couple of the dispel dice before, and then we were only saving two for the casket. We and, were saving uh, we were saving three for the casket because we knew the casket had two, and so if we had three, we should be able to beat it like relatively safely. Yeah, but that, that's the thing. I think we used two for the one of the warp lightnings, or like after oh, a while, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right. And then we did dispel the warp lighting, and then I was like, "Oh, come on! Like we have fifty-fifty chance if we do this." Uh, and then you agreed, and then uh, he cast, and he cast uh, seven, I think. And then uh, you were like, "All right, well, since this is your idea, you will have to roll." <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> first die came up a one, and then the second die came up a six, and we we're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, get some." <laughs> Yeah, so was, that was pretty much where the, the good things ended that game, though. <laughs> yeah, and so basically it was our turn too. Uh, luckily, my general didn't flee. And so he was in a very uncomfortable position, though, because he could charge the unit of clan rats, but he was either going to lose to static combat rest and flee, or he was going to lose to static combat rest, he was going to stay there, and he was going to get flank charged. But luckily, there was a little gap where he could charge the casket and be out of sight of everybody and potentially kill the casket, right? If, if he manages to do that, then at least he's made his points back. So we figured, okay, that's our best shot. And then we had two small units. Uh, one was a unit of Lancers, and the other one were six Knights of the Realm on the right flank. And we were trying to kind of circle around and try to get at the, the other unit of Clan Rats. And then on the left flank, we were dancing a little bit. My, my Grail Knights were staring down his chariots. My Peg Knights were around to, to support. And so we start declaring charges, and uh, my general fails his fear check. So now he's, he's standing completely alone in the middle of the table with yeah a bajillion warp lightnings in front of him. And uh, he did not live much longer. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, and then we had like an opportunity to have a, like a good comment against the chariots. Uh, like he was trying to move them some some magic. I think we managed to dispel that, and uh, we got off like a good charge. And then uh, I don't know something happened on the left side that we got an opportunity to charge with the peg knights as well. Yes, yeah. so they yeah. charged in. Uh, <laughs> I think we we ended up winning that combat as well, like against his. So, so the thing that was that was also very scary with this list is they had a bajillion warp lightning. They have bound spells that were also damaging. They had the warp lightning cannon, the rumbling, and the flamer. But then they also had the incantation from the tomb kings that allows you to charge for free, and that can be super scary with a unit of chariots charging in the magic phase. And what I didn't know, or I didn't remember rather, is that you can only use it on a unit once. But if you fail you can cast it repeatedly until you succeed. 
So that was also very tricky for us to dispel because they could cast it three times. So yeah. effectively, they were going to get it off, right? So that was that was pretty scary. Um, but we were able to get a good combat. Uh, we paired up the Grail Knights against the Chariots. And then I, I flank charged with the Peg, peg Knights and got some wounds. They crumbled a little bit. And it kind of looked like we were eventually going to crumble him, uh, which which we did over time. So that was kind of the one thing that went well, uh, killing the chariots and killing his general. And then we had this other positive moment where it really looked like we were going to lose. And there was this this sliver of hope. <laughs> and my, my peg knights made this really long charge on the casket and destroyed it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, the casket was souls. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, and for a second we were like, oh, you know what? Maybe things will be okay. And then they weren't. <laughs> and then we just yeah. got butchered. <laughs> yeah. That's, I love that kind of sense of false hope. <laughs> yeah. No, in the end, um, they were they, they positioned their Tomb Scorpion very smartly. I think that sometimes when people have these units that have, you know, ambush or that type of mechanic, they always want to be behind you. They always want to be on the flank. They just put him right in the middle of the table. So if he showed up early, uh, he was going to block us. We weren't going to be able to charge the gun line. And if he showed up late, he was probably going to end up being behind us anyway, which is what happened. He ended up charging Grey Lance in the rear. It, it was a mess. Yeah, Tomb Scorpion was really good. And just the timing of it was key as well. And it, like I had a good comment with both the... The Tomb Scorpion and the Gutter Runners. That like, if one didn't show up, then the other one would probably show up anyway. There was a. I think our opponents played the game pretty well, but there was a there was a questionable moment. I don't really know what happened. So oh, yeah, <laughs> he had, he had a, <laughs> So we had twenty five Ungol Horse Archers, right? And because they're fast cav and you know they have three six division, they were riding backwards. They were looking back, so they didn't see the castle. So, so these guys, yep. they, they didn't die, right? Like, they, they stayed alive for a long time. And we had this point where there were 25 horse archers hanging around, and then one of his lich priests, the guy that was the, I don't know how you call it, the hero fat, I think, he had a, he, he could fly. And he flew right in the middle of 25 horse archers. So he Yeah, he just went in the middle of our army. Like, I, I don't yeah. know if he was just trying to... A marsh block or something we were like okay so I, you, you position yourself in front of like 25 bows and then so, i shot him down yeah he just got shot 25 times and died and then his army started crumbling but i think i mean they shot their leadership 10 and their constructs i think the scorpion is leadership 10 so the crumbling wasn't very spectacular but uh, it was just a funny little moment when when this guy literally flew in front of 25 dudes with bows by himself, <laughs> a little little highlight. So in the yeah. end, uh, it was a minor loss, I think. I don't know if that was like 12-8. It might have been bigger than that. Yeah. I, I, it, I, I don't know, remember how many points. I don't know the exact points, but it wasn't... It was very hard to score a lot of points in this tournament, to be fair. It wasn't easy to, to get, you know, 20 or 18 or, or those things. Um, but yeah, in the end, because we got the general, we got the chariots, we got the flying uh, priest, we got the casket, uh, we lost, but it wasn't a gigantic defeat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and then we went straight on to the next game. What, what do you play against, Jimmy? 
we played against a combination of Vampire Counts and Empire. And uh, the Vampire Counts brought the fast stuff, and the Empire, of course, brought the shooty stuff. Hmm. And uh, I think they use Blood Dragons, I think. So it was the Blood Dragon Thrall with a unit of, uh, I think they're called Black Knights. Yeah, Black Knights. Uh, they had a huge bat. They had uh, some wolves, a couple of skeletons, a couple of zombies. That was pretty much the undead list. Oh, and a necromancer, of course. And the emperor list had a, I think it was a BSB. I'm not sure. Uh, they had two mages, I think. Of course, the obligatory Hellblaster. Two cannons, uh, a couple of handgunners, some great swords, and a unit of knights. And our game started off pretty good, actually. Uh, the table was a lot. There, there were a lot of terrain on this table. Big houses in the middle of the field. So there was like narrow corridors where only one unit could like pass through. So it was going to be a bad thing for my fanatics. But also a good thing in case the enemy wanted to move there too. So I kind of took the right position on this battlefield and the Skaven took the left position. We should have mixed it up and uh, because the wolves, they're fast. Movement nine. So turn one, they release the fanatics on one unit. And the, uh, the huge Felbat took another unit of fanatics while I think, yeah, my, my furthermost right unit didn't get their fanatics released just yet. They were walking up this, the battlefield along with the giant and the rat swarms. The rat swarms were really good. They stopped a lot of charges. They stopped a tremendously dangerous charge by two spirit hosts. Oh yeah, they had spirit hosts too. They stopped a charge from spirit hosts and the black knights. So nice. yeah. And if you want any more they, evidence they did, of uh, how yeah. awesome restaurants are, and they did stand for I think three combat rounds. So that charge the next turn and the next. I uh, yeah, I think so. The giant were surviving cannonball after cannonball for three turns when it was like two inches away from the cannons on a <laughs> then he decided to oh yeah this is sucker i'm gonna punch that ball with my head and he died like he only lost two wounds walking up there and once up front bam he's gone my my battle brew did its thing this turn this time uh, i did succeed a fair check so yay for that I were goblins. Yeah, I was able to fight <laughs> for one turn and then they fled. My squig hoppers, they were doing a great job on the left flank. They were hunting handgunners. And uh, I think we shot off like four out of six knights on the first turn with our Gisales. So the knights were like decapitated almost in turn one. So they were basically useless for the rest of the game. Which led us to having to walk with our Gisales, which was like, there's nothing else to fire at. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the Warp Lightning Cannon 
since uh, warp lightning cannons can th can shoot through terrain, they can see through terrain, unless it's hills, huge rocks, or big rock walls like castle walls. And there were wooden buildings and some rock ruins, and they can see through those kind of terrain pieces. So turn one and two, I think, were firing at the at the uh, what the hellblaster, and eventually we got it. It was like, yes, finally something. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because it it hits the the cannon automatically, right? You don't have to yeah, randomize yeah. it. Yeah, because it's uh, it acts like a cannon, and cannons acts like templates, which hits the models beneath it. Nice. So no randomness. And uh, this time, <laughs> yeah, this time. Although we did have a really really fun uh, misfire with it. It was we were trying to snipe out a, a wizard hiding in the greatsword unit, and was like, yeah, rolled perfect range, and now for strength misfire. So we roll a misfire. Uh, that's the artillery die. The artillery die normally decides the strength of the warp lightning cannon. But as we roll a misfire, we'll roll on the list, we rolled a five. So that's a good thing, unless you roll badly. Uh, because when they misfire, they shoot their, at their full strength. So it's strength 10 at their maximum range, which is 48 inches, I think. But you need to roll a scatter die to see where it fires. But we're all straight, <laughs> but we're all miraculously a straight line hitting what we wanted to hit. Of course, they succeeded their lookout, sir. So no dead wizard, but I think we killed four great swords or something. Yeah, we Bad for a misfire. Yeah, it was a great misfire. I think we did it three times at battle and it fired at, at, at the enemy every single time. So <laughs> misfires can be good. They can be bad. And, usually uh, bad. You were yeah, usually with the random. Usually, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we uh, we lost this battle too uh, because those black knights with the vampire they murdered murdered us eventually, and uh, their magic was better than our magic. I, they had two guys with comets of Cassandora. Two Oof. comets, yeah. <laughs> Although they they got it off once during this battle, but 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 like we were super scared. Always saving dispel dice for that goddamn comet of Cassandora. So before, so I think a zombie. They they had a zombie unit that started out being ten guys strong, ended up around 30, 40 or something. So they kept raising zombies and hid their hid their necromancers in there. So don't take the race spells lightly. You need to stop the undead from raising hell. Allow the comets to come. It's not that bad as long as you're on the move. Yeah, either they kill your units or they all raise new units. Yeah. <laughs> or show so, up with the yeah. army list that everybody else has. With yeah. 60 spell scrolls. <laughs> <Just dispelled. laughs> it's like, god damn, everyone has so many dispel scrolls. Stop it, stop it. I yeah, didn't Jakob tell you guys to bring <laughs> yeah, the scrolls? Yeah, yeah, he told us to bring them because the first list was something didn't have any at all. So it was like, well, two should be enough. I was wrong. <laughs> Mistakes were made. <laughs> Mistakes were made and I regret nothing. But yeah, uh, my squigs got some action, which uh, is the fun part in this battle. But of course, they 
failed their leadership test eventually because they lost the fight. So my goblins fled and the squigs were everywhere. Squigs bouncing here and there, here and there. And I I, I, I really love and hate loose squigs. It takes so much time moving them around. Yeah, I'm getting the impression from from what you're telling us that the Skaven kind of, you know, they, they were they were getting stuff done. They had yeah, a plan. Yeah, they knew what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, and then, the, I, and then the, the goblins <laughs> were just shitting the bed every time. <laughs> yep, that kind of sums up every game. Yeah, Good to know. Never trust a goblin. Never trust a goblin. But yeah, they were still fun. So, uh, like. This game was it was fun, but it it was wasn't a lot of stuff happening though. It was a lot of defensive play on their side. We tried to get up, and it was hard moving my units around because of the buildings in the middle of the battlefield. So they could kind of pick out what they wanted to fight with their black knights and the vampire, and uh, and uh, oh, dropped something here. Hang on. That, my friends, is a broken wartime model. Poor so, guy. <laughs> yeah, he lost his arms. I gotta fix him later. So, it's yeah. Injury table. It's good. Yeah. So uh, what I was saying, the the knights and the and the vampire could like pick off whatever they wanted, and uh, their cannons were safe on that hill, so they can shoot on everything they want because that the hills were like two levels high, so they can see over everything even the houses so yeah, yeah. i think this, this game charge of the light brigade yeah it's charging up a hill yeah i think this game ended up a little better for us because we didn't lose a lot of stuff but we did lose more than they did it was like mostly goblins that kind of died the skavens were like almost all all there on the battlefield i think we lost one unit of skaven and uh, a lot of goblins. Luckily, goblins are sheep. Yeah, all right. So what do we play, Hugo? We played against, uh, I would say, a fear and terror-based list. It was uh, Dark Elves and Vampire Counts. The Vampire Count player had a Necromancer, two Blood Dragons, two units of, I believe, eight Black Knights each. He had two units of Wolves, um, a... What is it called? A black coach, and I yeah. think I think that was it. And then the dark elf, he had a unit of cold one knights, a cold one chariot, two units of dark riders, a sorceress, a beastmaster or manticore who was the general, and then I'm, I'm sure he had something else. A uh, hydra. I, Did you mention a hydra? hydra? Yeah, yeah, a hydra. Yeah, yeah, a hydra. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> another terror crossing. Yeah, thing. exactly. So basically. Almost the entire army cost fear, apart from the Dark Riders. Um, and then they had three models that cost terror. The Black Coach, the Hydra, and the Manticore. So we knew that was going to be a little bit tricky because we're operating on... I mean, there's no Lords, right? So Leadership 8 is the highest. Uh, the Ungols have Leadership 7. So th that was going to be a little bit tricky. There was a very, very big terrain piece, uh, very cool, in the middle of the board. And that kind of divided the, the tabletop into two smaller battles because it was very tricky to get around that big one. So because we had so many Ungols and also small units of Lancers, uh, we basically saw their entire deployment before we committed anything. 
So our strategy was we're going to bog them down on the right flank because that's where their black knights and vampires and, you know, all the good business was. And then we're going to try to just swing around the left flank with real knights, knights of the realm and uh, roll up that flank, right? Um, and I think yeah, we were... Yeah, because we saw that they were deploying most of their stuff on the right side. So like, all right, let's just wreck their left flank. And I think the first part of the plan, which was delaying them on the right side, was very successful. I mean, their black knights with kitted out uh, blood dragons never got into combat. Yeah. They, they just did not get into combat that game. But rolling up the left flank didn't really work out as well uh, because the the cold one knights kept getting away. The Greylands managed to charge them, but then they couldn't they couldn't quite catch them. That left them somewhat out of position. Uh, fear tests were failed, and you know units would remain stranded in the middle of nowhere because they couldn't charge a chariot. Um, yeah, f fear was was pretty tricky. Yeah, was, like they were kind of trying to do the same thing, just delaying us on their right side and attacking on yeah. left side. And uh, like, I managed to hold them pretty well on the right side until I failed a bunch of terror tests and a lot of myself fled away. Uh, but in the end, like they didn't really manage to break our right flank either. So it was yeah. like both of us had kind of the same pl plan and both kind of failed and it ended up in a draw. Yeah, we, we pretty much both succeeded defensively uh, because we chaffed the right flank and then they didn't really chaff us but the fact that they had fear uh it just slowed us down for so so long uh and also the fact that once we did charge the cold one knights as i said they got away and they rallied so we couldn't just turn our backs on yeah. them either uh so yeah we we both kind of stopped the opponent my favorite favorite moment of the game uh they had this beastmaster of manticore on the right flank and he was kind of looking at um, our Griffin Legion. And then I had my pegs outside of charge range of the Manticore, but just kind of trying to keep him honest. And eventually the Manticore moved up into our battle line to uh, force us to take terror, ch terror checks. So the peg knights charged in, they killed the guy on top, the Manticore fled, they overran, killed it. And then two turns later, they would kill the sorceress too. So again, the, the Peg Knights, absolute MVP. <laughs> I, I love them. They're so great. And it was a shame because you're, I think, I think the Griefen Legion fled from a terror check and they never rallied. They just kept yeah. running for like three turns and left the table. <laughs> yeah, they were full strength. Like they were standing there just waiting, <laughs> waiting for combat, waiting and like, oh, look, a Manticore. Oh my God, run. <laughs> <laughs> Ran across the board. Yeah, I didn't do a lot this game. Like my Ungles were moving around, shooting some arrows. And I like I I was dueling with his uh, uh, dark elf dark riders that had mm -hmm. uh, repeater crossbows, and he was shooting some, killing some, and I was shooting back, hitting quite good, and never wounding. Like I never killed a single one with my. Oh, yeah, those, those guys made a lot of armor saves, a lot of armor saves. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was a good mm -hmm. game, like a really enjoyable game, really nice guys to play against. Uh, yeah. I thought we were gonna lose, so I was pretty glad we managed to get a draw. Yeah, we basically like like Nicholas said, we just we both inhibited each other and, and nobody was able to really, I guess, execute their plan, so ended up in a draw. Yeah. Uh, so between uh, these two games we had some pizza, uh, short lunch break, and yeah. uh, straight on to the third game. Yeah, the third and final game. game. So what do you guys play against me? So we played against a Skaven army. 
which was almost a mirror of our list. Uh, they oh, had, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much the same things. They though they did have a unit of gutter runners and a unit of plague monks instead of storm vermin. Uh, they also had uh, what was it? they fought alongside wood elves, yeah, which had a lot of those well, skirmish trees, what they're called dryads, yeah, a lot of dryads running around. They had a lot of uh, what's the elite cavalry called for those guys? Uh, wild riders. Yeah, and I kind of forgot the wild that the wild riders have magic resistance. Which kind of threw us off, because when we when we used our first spells, it was like, well, we gotta kill something. It's easy to kill cavalry with uh, warp lightning, so we're gonna strike those guys. Okay, and oh yeah, they have medic resistance. What? Yeah, and he had a lot of those units, and they were running right up to us, but casting spells on them barely did anything. Uh, I wish my lancers had magic resistance. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I also forgot that they are immune to psychology. Yeah, I got frenzy. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, those are really, really nasty. And, and they, they uh, hit like a truck. Yeah. yeah. And the heroes of the Woodolf list, I think they had some kind of extra shooting thing. It was like shooting spirits at us, and they could pick out heroes hiding inside units. So they killed my Night Goblin Shaman with those spirits. It was like, I can't even hide anywhere. They, I think they shoot like 24 inches or something. Pick any target, even if they hide within a unit. And uh, no lookouts, as, as the shots are not from war machines. So my Shaman died like turn two, I think. So less magic dies for us. But a, a lot more casting for the Skaven it was like they were shining like hell with warp lightning. But so did the other Skaven player too. It was like throwing lightning bolts everywhere. And it was like scores died every single time. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was great. Like watching those Skaven armies like pitching it off. And I, I was like trying to drive off the, the elves, but I failed because, well, I play goblins. So. Fear elves is kind of fun. <laughs> nice. And yeah. And uh, although this game, my giant did something. After they killed Ooh. my mage, I was like an eye for an eye. So I charged. I, I, I was like, I'm not sure about the charge. I don't think I can make it, but I got to try. My giant is down on one wound. I need to do this. So he charges. He survives the incoming fire. Luckily since uh, I think the those guys had like strength four on short range or something. So that's winning of fives. But he survived, got into combat. So time to roll, pick up and. So I chose the, the mage and roll on my pick up and table and he scores eight. Nice. He ate the mage. <laughs> he did something. Nice. The tur yeah, the turn after he fell by from fighting dryads. But yeah, sure. he I did something. It, I bet it tastes like broccoli. Yeah. No, no, Grom, Grom the Pouch. Grom the Pouch. He, he, had, he had a troll and he got regeneration, right? So I wonder if yeah. a giant eats a wizard, does he become like a level one wizard or something eventually? That would be amazing. I need to start this magical 
<laughs> kind of eating thing. But yeah, that that game was so I was like so random. They kept kept rolling misfire on their warp lightning cannon. We did it on our warp lightning cannon for a while. It was like a warp lightning cannon battle. They kept shooting at each other, doing nothing. But when they started shooting at other things, they killed everything to shot at. So if you're going to shoot at other warp lightning cannons with your own, don't do it. It doesn't do squat. It only works for Hellblasters. Yeah. And since they had a lot of skirmish in their army, they were, uh, we, we were playing on the same table we were on last game. So they had the upper hand having a lot of skirmish units so they could move around more freely use the forest and woods uh, they could walk around the houses like they were nothing so the world elves like surrounded us slowed us down while the, while the skaven could get their charges where they wanted them so it was a good matchup well it was a bad matchup but it was a great combination of their armies because they really covered each other's weaknesses. The Wood Elves were fast, had a lot of shooting. The Skaven had the numbers and the shooting, like uh, rattling guns, Giselles, warp lightning cannons to, to take out the heavy stuff. Yeah, it was cool also that uh, they weren't both just like a shooting army. They had some yeah. some mobility. Yeah. I mean, like the, the Wild Riders were, I think they had three or four units of five, my, of five men. Yeah, Wild Riders are super cool. Yeah. So, so I think we lost the most. I, I, I think we were dead to like a couple of units. Like I, I think we had like two or three units left on this game because the Wild Riders took everything that I got in combat, combat with. I don't. I didn't have any models left. All goblins were dead in the final battle. So the Skaven were like holding the banner high, screaming triumphantly, even though we lost, but they did. <laughs> no more goblin allies. Ever again. <laughs> Never again. All right. Uh, yeah, and our last game, we also played a mirror, actually, of uh, Hugo's list. Like you oh, played we did. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was extremely similar, yeah. Yeah, so cool. as you played the, the Skaven mirror... Hugo, like I think, like when we we're going through the army list, you were like, uh, you came to this Bretonia list. You're like, wait, is this my list? Or <laughs> like, no, it's just almost exactly the same. Uh, yeah. So uh, the Bretonian army list was uh, general, the same setup as I had. Uh, BSB with the same setup as I had. So uh, yeah. You, uh, what else? What else? Uh, a damsel, uh, only level one though, with two dispel scrolls. They had a Grail Knight unit, bigger than mine, I think uh, eight or something. They had yeah. a Knights of the Realm unit, I think they were nine. And then the only significant difference was they had one more Pegasus. They had, as I mentioned, bigger units, but they didn't have that small six-man Knight of the Realm unit. And then the other half was which a is, core... Uh, which is Hugo's <laughs> favorite unit. Yeah, I love it. I, I love or, the, I mean, the six-man. Pegasus, but... Yeah, you always go on about your six-man Nazarel mute. I like them. I like them. Uh, and then uh, the other half was a corn, corn list, mortals. They had two big fighty dudes on horse. They had two units of either five or six uh, knights with Mark of Corn, two chariots with Mark of Corn, and um, 
Yeah, chariot. No, two chariots. Two chariots, yeah. And that's all I can recall. Yeah, so they had like very heavy chaos guys on horses or with chariots. And then he was just pretty much. Oh, and one unit of furious. That's it. That was that was. Oh yeah, and, uh, but... and hounds, the the, the the warhounds or the dogs or whatever you call the warhounds. Uh, yeah, chaos, chaos warhounds and um, and uh, furious or harpies. I think they're called furious. Yeah, yeah. furious. Yep. So and... uh, go ahead. The deployment, as usual, I deployed a bunch of ungolds. We kind of saw where they were gonna deploy. Uh, and it turned out to be a bit of a mirror deployment. Like we had two big fight units in the middle to the left and some flying support there. And they had their, like uh, the Bretonia death trains in the middle as well, uh, with some Chaos Knights on that flank. And then on our right flank, there was a bit fewer stuff. Uh, you had your Pegasus Knights there, your six-man unit, and I had some Ungols in front. And they had a five-man unit of Chaos Knights and a chariot on the far flank. And what basically happened in the game was that our main units just kind of moved up towards each other in the middle, but, but staying clear of the 16-inch death zone of being charged. <laughs> and on the right sa side, uh, we were debating a bit like how we should use the ungols. You wanted to put them like right in front, have them being charged, and then they would overrun into a forest. So they, they would kind of get stuck. Uh, well, I championed that we should just lure them forward and try and get a side charge. Well, I so mean, the the end result was the same. I wanted to also side charge them, right? The thing is, this it, it was a big unit of Chaos Knights with a character, and of course they have Frenzy. So what we wanted to do was basically to force them towards the left, and then we could flank charge them. Yeah. So in the end, he tried to charge my light horse, they fled away, and they rallied, and then he tried to do the same again next turn. And they fled away, and then, then we got like a, a nice chance to, to flying charge him. So Hugo flying charge him with both the Knights of the Realm and the Pegasus Knights, and they didn't manage to do anything. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a shame because going into it, I had static combat rest. I had one rank, uh, and I had a flank, and I had... No, I don't think I had outnumber. I think I won by one. So if I was able to yeah. sneak in maybe a wound or two, um, that was a good chance that they would flee, get overrun, and, and that would be a lot of points. That would that, I think that would really have tilted the game because at yeah. that point, we are winning. So they need to do something. They need to take a risk. Um, but yeah, I completely whiffed uh, one combat by one. They passed their leadership. And then my units got countercharged by their Pegasus. And yeah. uh, yeah, that was the end. Pegasus and uh, the chariots further away on that flank. And I charged his chariot with some Lancers, a five-man unit of Lancers. And I lost it. And then uh, they fled away. And then, yeah, you lost that combat. So they were free to countercharge that and kind of break that flank. And then mm -hmm. at the same time, they were moving up on that flank, on the far left flank. I also had a unit of five Lancers versus a Chariot. And now he noticed that like a five-man unit of Lancers will lose against the Chariot, even if they charge. So he moved up uh, into charge range. And then we were like, <laughs> Shit, what are we doing now? Because like, now they're threatening us. So I, I would have to charge or try and flee or something. So my plan was to charge him, and then I would lose, and then he would overrun, and then you could ch charge him with your Grey Lights. Uh, but what ended up happening on that flank was he's <laughs> like charges chariot, uh, won the combat. He fled, 
and I overran into his unit of Chaos Knights. So I was like, oh shit, well, I'm going to lose against these guys, and they're going to overrun, so Hugo can charge him. But in the next combat, I won the combat and chased him away off the board, including his general. This is madness. Priceless. Lancers on steroids. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. So in the meantime, we were losing the right flank, and they were kind of overrunning there. And we were like, what do we do now, Hugo? And you were like, I don't know. It's, fuck it. We're going to lose this game. Let's just move up <laughs> the middle and try and charge them. And then uh, you were like, is this 16 inches to charge their bus with my bus? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it could be, it could not be. And it turned out it wasn't because you had to pivot out of terrain. So it's just barely out of 16 inches. So you were stuck in the middle with uh, the Grey Lights and the Nicer Realm like big buses just staring you down uh, and then they charge with both of those units next turn and you were like okay I flee and like what you flee like yeah I flee yeah, and, and that was so confusing to me because the same thing happened in the tournament in London in the last game um, so basically I'm, I'm being charged in a situation where if I hold I'm gonna get butchered so of course I flee right like it, it, it makes sense but the opponent was completely shocked by the fact that I fled, they really, really didn't expect it. So what happened was they were charging the Knights yeah. of the Realm. Well, it was a Bretonia player charging another Bretonia player. So I guess they expected you to have some honor. Little did they know <laughs> that your Bretonia are based in the Border Princess and they have no honor. Exactly. So what happened was he, he couldn't reach the Grail Knights because they were kind of wedged in a corner. So he was charging the Knights of the Realm. And they're, they're not immune to Psyche, so they fled. His Knights of the Realm failed charged forward, exposing the flank to my Grail Knights. And then next turn, they just got charged by a bus of Grail Knights. Um, somehow, my Grail Knights ended up losing that combat. I think they got countercharged. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my Grail Knights charged his Knights of the Realm. They, I believe they beat them, but he passed his leadership uh, on a five or something. And then my Grail Knights got countercharged by his Knights of the Realm. So we had this giant mosh pit of cavalry in the middle of the table and the next turn your griffon legion charged in so at one point we had four gigantic units of cavalry just beating each other in the middle of the table yeah my my griffon legion charged them when like after you fled my griffon legion charged their nice realm in the flank i crushed that unit and then they overran into the gray line. no they they ran into the gray lights crushed the gray lights and overran into the nice realm and then, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and then he counter charged with the the pegasus knights and uh, a chaos hero uh, and i was like all right doesn't matter i got stubborn eight uh, and i failed that and i fled away and then yeah, in the last turn, I managed to rally them, saving some points. It's a shame, too, because had you passed that, that check, my, my general was lined up right behind, like in the rear of one of the units, and that would have given us plus two for the rear, and then, you know, whatever my general was able to, to do. Um, Your general, he charged out by himself against the Pegasus Knights and managed to kill that entire unit. So that was pretty good. Yeah, as well. he, he, he wiped out the Pegasus. It was, it was good, but... It could have been could have been amazing if if we had passed a stubborn check. Um, yeah. But yeah, it yeah. was um, it was a very close game. No, nobody wanted to get too close to the enemy. Nobody wanted to be in charge range until we yeah, like yeah. Nicholas said, we basically said ah, fuck it. I think it's sixteen inches. Let's declare a charge, and that kind of made the entire game spiral out of control. 
because they <laughs> yeah. charged us. We fled. Suddenly they were exposed. We charged them. They countercharged, and yeah, the the game just just derailed at that point. Uh, in the end, yeah. we won. Yeah, when the dust settled, uh, if... we rode out into the sunset with a victory. And this was the first time in. I have played six games of six, of six edition in the last 15 years. They were all at tournaments. This is the first time my Pegasus were not the MVP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the, the first game I played now that uh, the Griffin Legion actually did some shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a great third game and it was a great, uh, like, all of the games are great. Like, I was so scared when we were looking at the list that we were going to play some really harsh lists against some really tough opponents but they were all amazing like all the people we played were just great they were all super nice super nice yeah yeah i think the the thing in poland also when i was playing 40k when i was playing lords of the rings in my in my experience you have hard lists but very very nice friendly fair players so so it's enjoyable you know yeah i agree also, some beautiful armies. I mean, the, the tournament, maybe we should, we haven't talked much about the tournament in general. Fantastic. I, I mean, it was very, very well organized. The TO was available at all times to add, answer questions. Yeah. Um, and the tables were exquisite. The tables were every, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Every, every table was like themed about around some kind of area or whateverness. We had like badlands, we had deserts, we had Araby, we had an empire village, we had like a swamp table, we had like everything lava, snow. The first Name game, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe we were paired up good against Evil 2, which I thought was very cool. I'm, I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but but I think I think they did that. Um, and then there were some beautiful armies. I mean, there oh, were yeah. some really, really nice armies. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jimmy's armies are very nice. Nicholas' army is very nice. But the Skaven army we played in the first game was incredible. He had all really, really old hammer, old metal models. He had some incredible movement trays. The Bretonians in the last game were also fantastic. It was yeah. I mean, there's a lot of photos up actually. You should you should check them out. Uh, beautiful armies. Yeah. Yeah. It was Awesome. Uh, this game of player is uh, known as Game of Travels on Instagram. If you want to look him up, it's a great one. Yeah, and then I don't know. Overall, it was it was just a very smoothly run, nicely organized event. We all we all got a mug uh, with the the event's logo. Uh, yeah, it yeah. Was I'm great. So, so glad about the mug because I, I was looking for a coffee mug as well. Uh, <laughs> and this is exactly what I wanted. I love that mug. I'm using it all the time now. Uh, and then at the end, uh, they had like the they announced where everyone was placed. Uh, placed somewhere in the middle. I was happy. I lost. Guess uh, who scared? Guess who placed last? Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud Back, about it. Team. Yeah, I'm proud about it too. Yeah. Although um, we did win. Well, well, win one thing. We had the most models in our in our armies in the whole tournament. <laughs> I think we we had some of the the lowest count. I think. But like, I somebody mean, had somebody had fewer. I think it's pretty discriminating, you know, not to count our horses. Yeah, <laughs> horses it. are people too. Yeah, in Kistel, at least. I heard uh, somewhere horses don't exist. Uh, and uh, they also had like a like a lottery thing that everyone got a prize at the end. So yeah, it's a table full of awesome prizes. So they had some really cool terrain. Yeah. There were 
giving out and some boxes of units. Uh, and uh, like I was looking at, they had some army cases and like, oh, wow, that'd be cool. And then they were drawing the prices and we won the army cases. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're super handy. Yeah. Surprise. And uh, yeah. it's, I, mean, I don't know, it was, it was just heartwarming too. I was, I was talking with, with Jakub, the organizing, and it's a game that has been dead. I mean, 6th edition, when, when was it 15 years ago that 7th edition came out? Uh, and the game itself, I mean, Warhammer Fantasy Battles has been dead for a few, a few years. And you have 32 people playing this tournament with beautiful, fully painted armies, fantastic terrain. Uh, it was it was so cool. It was so cool to yeah. see such a big showing for a tournament in well, technically a dead game, right? I agree. Yeah, and they have tournaments like pretty often as well. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, after the tournament, we grab grab some beers actually with uh, some of the guys with uh, the Skaven player we played in the first game, and then Andre was there uh, and two two or three other guys from the tournament. Yep, Andre was there with his teammate. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, a great time. I'm so glad I went there. Let's go again next year. Yeah, probably. Like I'm always down to to go to Poland as well. It's really it's affordable to go there, and it's really affordable to be there. It's just yeah, a cool place. This time, this time I think we'll stay a little bit longer because our trip was like, well, we got there, hanged out the first night, and we were leaving around lunch on Sunday, so we didn't stay up late on Saturday. Yeah, you seem uh, pretty tired uh, after the... the yeah, the okay. oh god, I was like, exhausted. <laughs> yeah, because you guys left immediately, like, you left early the morning right after, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we left around 12.30, uh, I think our flight left, so we got breakfast at the hotel and went straight off to the airport. So it was kind, kind of like when I go to 30k events in Sweden. It's like we also go home early on the Sunday. Mm. The yeah. funny thing is, this whole trip cost about the same I pay on the 30k events, and I went outside of Sweden, stayed yeah. at a hotel. Yeah, I mean, there's... it's like, wow, this is really affordable, and it can be cheaper if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, you I mean... booked us a, like a really nice uh, Airbnb and. Uh... Like we, we went out to eat uh, the day before, went to a really fancy restaurant and we we're like, oh, we're getting a starter, we're getting this, we're getting that. And like it, was, it was nothing compared to, to eating out in London. The thing is, like, you have affordable plane tickets too, because, I mean, Ryanair, Wizzair, they there's plenty plenty of flights to, to Warsaw, even to Poznan. Yeah. And then, yeah, because of the currency exchange, it is it is pretty affordable. And, you know, it's a nice country, friendly people fantastic nature so if, if anybody's considering going next year uh if you have the chance don't just go for the tournament stay a little bit longer it's 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 yeah. a fantastic country certainly will yeah. and i am i am not sponsored by tourism in <laughs> poland this is my actual opinion <laughs> yeah so uh, thank you for coming on hugo it's great to have yeah uh, thank you yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun thanks and um uh, I don't know what will come up next in this episode, but uh, thank you for listening to this segment. Thank you. Okay. Can I can I hijack this for a second? Just just one second. Go ahead. I'm because uh, I've I've seen lots of people playing Sixth Edition, you know, in on Facebook, right, in in the UK and in Poland. 
I'm moving to the US. I'm moving to Southern Connecticut in about a month. It's uh, pretty close to New York City, uh, about 40 minutes. And I'm just wondering if, if anybody around the area is playing Warhammer Fantasy. I, I don't care if it's sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, even ninth age, Mordheim, anything <laughs> like that. Hammer, scab Hammer, Scab Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll take anything. I'll take anything. So, yeah, if, if anybody is playing this kind of uh, war game in that area, I'd be happy to find a, a club or, or a new, new community. Uh, so, yeah, yeah just, just write, re- to, write to the podcast and we'll yeah. hook you up with Hugo. All right. Guys looking for guys. <laughs> All right. See you later. Altdorf Advertising Agency, the AAA is now hiring. Exciting times ahead. We represent everyone. Everything is fine, citizen. Remember, Altdorf Advertising Agency, the AAA. For all your anti-Ratman propaganda needs. So, welcome back, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, segment with uh, Jimmy and Nicholas and a special guest. <laughs> Hugo. And if you didn't like this part, I hope you at least enjoyed our Fast Attack Tactica. Yeah, and if you didn't like that, I at least hope you liked us saying hello. (laughs) Speaking of hello, uh, we mentioned in the intro that we're doing a listener question special next time. We have put out a call on Facebook and on Instagram, and uh, just going to mention it again. If you have any questions, that's basically regarding anything with the hobby, gaming, as I said, last episode, the chili plants that have now grown about twice the size as they were. Yeah. Anything else people could ask about you two? Anything else? Anything Warhammer related or chili plant related? Fair enough. There you have it. Send them in on Instagram, Facebook, uh, email, um, pigeon mail, I'm not sure. And uh, the episode after that will be our next army special yeah yeah i'm really excited about this one uh, this is one my favorite army yeah the dwarves it's gonna be short and concise (laughs) and to the point enough about that there will be a the the episode i think that's 17 will be a dwarf specialist mentioned and uh, me and nicholas will be since i've played it played dwarves a lot back in the days and nicholas now owns part of my dwarf force <laughs> yeah yeah dwarves were my first warhammer love it's what i've started collecting warhammer so yeah i'm really excited about this yeah so we're going to mention that if you have any questions about dwarves or anything you want us to talk about when it comes to the dwarves send that in as well since why not and uh, that's pretty much it i think unless anyway you have anything else um yeah there's some events going on so if you're interested in going and playing Warhammer tournaments, there's a couple events going on in uh, England this uh, this fall, and there are some in Poland as well. Um, so I, I don't have the details in my head, but if you if you're interested in playing Warhammer in any of those places, just write us and ask, and I'll I'll find it out. Yeah, and hopefully there will be some in Sweden as well. We'll just have to see when that day comes. We got all the details. Yeah. So. I'll say that's it for this episode and see you in the next one. Remember everyone, stay square. Yeah, that griffin has fucking magnificent balls sculpted on it. Balls and dick. Full frontal nudity.